Yep. Who the fuck knows where your brother is? I, I told you. I fucking told you. <laughs> Did I not tell you? I told you that was good. Your mom probably just got him really fucking hammered, liquored up drunk. and Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me at all. The two of them on the town together, I, I don't even want to fathom the d- destruction that they've wrought to Korea at this point. So. <laughs> These two giants walking around Korea. These giant <sighs> well, they're, people walking well, they're not. They're not. They're not giant. Like, I'm the giant in the family. It's, it's, they're, I'm the they're one. giant compared to Koreans. No, Paul's only like five ten or some shit like that, and so is mom. Mom's five eight, five nine. Yeah, I guess they're taller than that. Yeah, I'm gonna say, what do you, like, <laughs> what do you think the average height is in Korea? I don't. Probably your height. I'd assume. I don't know. <laughs> For sure, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. To me, everybody is little. So like, <laughs> when I get to look at somebody eye to eye, it's like a nice happy time for me. Yeah. All right, well, with that, uh, let's welcome everybody back to Dance Robot Dance, episode 106. We are a little light on the host this week, but uh, we welcome you back just the same. I'm Tim. I'm going to be hosting this week, and with me for the moment, I've just got Mark. Yeah, it's just me. Uh, my brother sucks, and Christy is busy, I guess. Christy is She's doing fringe, right? Yeah, H- Hamilton fringe, and uh, from what I've seen and what she's been posting, sounds like her show has been very well received and been getting positive reviews and well attended so go christy which is good yeah so we're looking forward to hearing the story when she gets back i'm yeah. sure there's always always good theater stories even if the stories themselves weren't initially good they're they're always told better later because theater people theater people yeah <laughs> yeah trust me i know enough of you fuckers now that uh i know how it works we never embellish stories at all i'd say we mm-hmm. i haven't fucking been on stage in ages I think once once part of the fucking clan, always part of the clan kind of thing. Yeah, I so. think part of it is, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. That's that's one of the things we need to talk about this week is being judged for past malfeasance. That's so true. We'll, that's true. We'll get to that. It's going to be a big fucking news week, folks. Because yeah. Well, first off, how you doing, Mark? Having a how are you? Have a good week. I'm. I'm. My week is over. I'm baked. I'm good. Let's. <laughs> do this episode we're doing an experiment this week to see if uh my weed habit and the podcast can mix so <laughs> let us know folks this is a yeah fingers air- crossed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i had a long ass fucking week and yeah work travel but uh home now and more travel next week i'm really excited for this fucking vacation i got coming up a couple weeks uh yeah me too actually my uh my pearl jam trip is imminent so i'm getting ready to do that like i was doing passport shit this week to make sure i was caught back up and stuff so yeah it's getting it is getting to be that time where august is going to hit and i'm going to be on a lot of fucking planes that i'm not looking forward to so <laughs> at least the planes to atlanta are short that's true, the that's true short, not the planes are short planes are probably also too short for you oh well, that all, all planes are too short for me so <laughs> that's the uh yeah but went uh went to economy or what is it premium economy whatever Comfort to get down plus. to it depends on whatever uh it depends on the the airline but yeah i definitely went like economy plus on my uh, seattle flight so all right so yeah without further ado let's get into the news because there is a veritable fuck ton of it mostly coming out of san diego comic-con but then there is some shit surrounding it that kind of eclipsed the san diego comic-con shit too so i think what i'm going to kind of do here is give a few things full coverage and then we're going to do a fucking lightning round on uh comic-con shit yeah Sure. All right. So first one, which is, uh, I think, worthy of leading with, just was announced this afternoon, and Mark is probably already hard, or still hard, is that the Fox shareholders have agreed to the Disney merger. So basically, that means that the all those Fox Marvel properties are coming back home to Marvel Studios at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I was... Uh... 
turgid at uh, would be the <laughs> easiest description for what was going on. But yeah, it was uh, it's pretty exciting news. You were swole. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The internet didn't seem to be quite so happy with the news, but you know, really, everybody's everybody's talking everybody's talking monopolies and shit, right? They're like, oh, it's going to be horrible for film and shit. And I'm like, well, as long as doesn't Disney doesn't also own DC, I don't think they, anybody can say there's a monopoly on comic book movies or well it's not even comic book movies i think they're talking about just like movies in general like they now own 40 percent of the box office over the last whatever Mm. because having subsumed all of fox's properties that you know make up a good chunk of the release schedule also so uh people are upset about that i on the other hand i'm just like fucking we have dr doom back we can do things properly this time we can do things properly this time so you don't want to bring back uh jessica alba and i'm all for jessica alba most of the time that will be one of the exceptions to my jessica alba thing is those movies fuck they're bad but i it'd be so great to see a patrick stewart fucking mr or professor Dr. X, Doom. Yeah, or Profe- oh, no, professor professor x. x in the mcu that would be so much fun yeah it's too bad that he's like retiring on all that now like him and uh or even james mcavoy I could, McAvoy, I could see more likely. I, I think they're going to just gut the whole fucking thing and start from scratch. I, if anybody could come across that, like from that current crop, I'd be like McAvoy and Fastbender. I'm like, you guys can, I'd sneak them in. Yeah. But the rest of the cast, I'd be like, no, 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 no. To the fucking curb with you. I was seeing some like, this is like just straight up fucking rumors that are probably completely unfounded, but people saying like X-Men Dark Phoenix has been like put off indefinitely and shit like that. I'm like, no, they've like filmed that at this point. They're not just not going to release it. I've been, I've heard similar stories about both movies, New Mutants and Dark Phoenix. Yeah. New both M- having been kind of put on the shelf, but nobody said anything and nobody really knows, but that Dark Phoenix movie has been moved three times now. Like it was supposed to come out like a couple months ago and then it was supposed to come out like now-ish and it was supposed, now it's what, like it's been moved into next year, which is nuts Yeah, for a movie that's been in the can for like a year already. You think like just get it the fuck out and get it over with, and then we know we're going to reboot. So, well, I wonder how much this might have had to do with it too, right? Like they uh, it's possible didn't, for whatever reason, maybe it's garbage. They didn't want to release it because they wouldn't have been able to get as much money for the Fox stuff, or they were just trying to hold it off for I don't know some other fucking like crazy business reasons. So, yeah, I don't know, but they they got two finished like multi million dollar movies just sitting there waiting to get released, and like yeah. nobody knows what's going to happen to them because they're like they're not going to tie them into the MCU. Why would they bother? Like, I think the only thing that gets gets pulled over properly now is Ryan Reynolds. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's probably about it. <laughs> he's right? the easy one to bring over. Yeah, because he's just makes jokes. Meta so. is his power. Yeah, exactly. So he makes jokes, and that's whatever but now there's there's cool stuff you can do like I, i'm curious to see like they'll probably get a chance and it's like not even just those things it's like they own alien now like what do they do with that you know what i mean like yeah they own predator now like ha- what happens to that shane black movie that's coming up do they give him a franchise if it does well like there's all kinds of cool stuff that can come out of this deal but yeah there's also like more news coming for sure oh absolutely uh, but it was yeah fucking 71.3 billion dollar deal that is insane Ah, man, it's just like a little percentage of that. Could you imagine? Just like yeah. tuck that shit away. <laughs> Fox stock right now would be not not a bad thing to have. Yeah, but Disney has some shit going on in their own fucking house that they need to take care of as well. So anybody that has been anywhere near the internet this week probably saw the news that James Gunn was fired from directing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, although it was never officially announced. It was just kind of assumed that he was going to be over some tweets that he put out like 10 years ago that were basically failed attempts at like edgy humor kind of thing like 
some like rape jokes and thinly veiled pedophilia jokes and stuff like that and stuff that he has since even before all this came out stuff that he had already since like apologized for and said like yeah those are in bad taste you know i've changed as a person and whatever and stuff that obviously disney would have fucking vetted him on before this yeah this this whole story well there's there's a there's a right wing bent to it like a political bent to it i don't know if you want to touch on that or not but I don't know the whole story, but from what I gather, there is some right wing dude who is like going out there and making, putting a target on certain left leaning individuals in Hollywood's kind of back and using this kind of stuff to leverage this, this kind of attack on them. But who boy, like you would think like Disney would be smarter than to do this. Cause at this point, like they pissed off everybody. So yeah, it was, yeah. So basically was exactly what Mark said. Like there was a, an alt right dude. I can't fucking guy's name what i don't even fucking say it's you know what it's not even worth yeah, giving exactly. him the fucking air but, that we say his yeah name but he here. was the one that sort of dug it up and i guess it had something to do with like the roseanne stuff like they said like oh if they're gonna come after our media we're gonna go after like the lefty fucking media people yeah. as well and james gunn has been very vocal and speaking out like against trump and against the republicans the last couple of years and that sort of thing and so they're like well we're taking this guy down and Disney in their fucking infinite wisdom caved. Well, see, now I my only caveat to this whole thing is and we'll never be able to find out is if Disney had something else that was actionable and they used this as an excuse to kind of fire like yeah. pull the trigger on it. Like I'd heard reports that he was difficult on set, but that may just be like that's just, you know, rumors and shit, so I don't yeah. know. But if this was their way of kind of being like, all right, listen, we're going to take the keys away from this guy before he causes us any more fucking grief and this is as good a time as any. Yeah buy then that's also a factor so i mean if it's if it's more like the first part of what we were talking about then fuck that he should obviously get his job back but this is kind of bullshit considering we've made worse jokes on this podcast i can guarantee you that and And he's totally owned all of them like it's not like he was hiding them or anything like that they're still on his twitter he could have gone back and deleted and it's not like any of them were directed at specific people like there weren't like direct victims of this like you look at I mean, the, the most recent example to point at is the Roseanne controversy, and she was looking at a specific person and making clearly fucking racist statements ago about that person at the same time that her show was on air, not fucking 10 years in the past. Like, Roseanne is clearly still a shitty person, therefore deserves to be fucking canceled. This shit yeah. did not, in my opinion, merit James Gunn getting canceled by Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see what... Cause like if I were if I were DC right now I'd be like hey you know Suicide Squad could use a new <laughs> yeah. fucking director like that's that's my pitch at them at this point would be like bring them on bring them across the street if Disney doesn't yeah. want to work with them so and everybody uh, on Guardians three now I'd, most common name I'm seeing thrown around is Taika Waititi because he's already got a good handle on that comedic side of the Marvel universe I don't know if that's a good fit or not. But I think it's a little too slapsticky. I think they could find somebody a little bit more suitable. I thought the Russos did fine with them in uh, Infinity War. I don't know if they're really super hyped to be doing another movie right after jumping off these two Avengers movies. But I don't know, you know. that the Russos have the comedy beats down necessary to maybe. I don't know. I think I think if you get the like you get that creative juice, like you get Feige in there, and he can bring somebody in to snap up the dialogue. And it's not like Chris Pratt and all the and Dave Batista aren't funny on their own. You know what I mean? Like Batista's a fucking witty dude and. Pratt's obviously funny as shit, yeah. so whatever. Also, you're going to have Ryan Reynolds to leverage as, as a comedian also, so you never know where you want to drag him in to help. So there's options everywhere. Like It's not like James Gunn's vision was so like 
whatever. Like it's not just yeah. James Gunn's vision that brought all this stuff to life. Like it's like it's it's upsetting that he's not there, but we'll still get Guardians three and it'll probably be okay. We still got Ant Man after Edgar Wright left. You know, like there is somebody at Marvel steering the yeah. whole shit. So let's see. There's one news piece that I do want to see if Paul shows up for before we actually dive into it. See, the other big ones were Star Wars news. This is actually today again, fucking like a couple days after, or almost a week. After Comic-Con at this point, Disney basically said, here's the cast of Star Wars Episode Nine, and it includes Carrie Fisher and apparently uh, unused footage from Episode Seven, and Mark Hamill, who obviously, spoilers, fucking died in Last Jedi. So, I mean, big fucking surprise. We all said multiple times, yeah, Mark Hamill's going to be back as a Force ghost or whatever, and here it is. Yeah. Yeah, the Carrie Fisher one surprised me. I thought they were they said they weren't going to do this, but I, I mean, they have to tie up that loose end, but it's still like, how are we going to do this, I guess? I guess you're using archival footage. They're not going to do the Yeah, CG they said they weren't right? going to CG her. They said that they were going to... So it's, it looks like they're just trying to sort of give her a, a send-off, you know, a tie-up kind of closure using some old footage. So yeah, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely happy that Mark Hamill's still going to be in it and maybe, you know, having still having sort of a mentor role in... I'd, I'd love to see him have or sort of maybe complete his mentoring of Kylo Ren. I think that would be really cool to see going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, or like have some emotional moment with Kylo Ren where like they have a reconciliation or something like that. I am really like now with last Jedi after last Jedi, like that, that fallout, like, I don't know where they go with the story now. Like I have no actual bearing on how they handle what goes yeah. on forward kind of thing. So we'll have to see like we we got a year to wait and see so something we have probably more than a year to wait on at this point is the other one that directly concerned mark and one of his major fandoms and that's a uh, new buffy the vampire slayer show <sighs> do we talk about this really <laughs> yes we do <laughs> all right but yeah when it was first announced uh it sounded like it was a reboot now it seems like more soft reboot or continuation where maybe it's just picking up like you know 15 years later or whatever the you know all the uh, women have been woken up to the possibility of being slayers and it looks like it might just pick up be like sort of the story of a new slayer oh is that what they're doing i honestly i kind of didn't like super pay attention at first i just heard like reboot and was just like well i don't think that's a good idea but okay like i had my buffy i don't need a new buffy that's not something that is like it doesn't affect me. It's like Ghostbusters, right? Like they made it. I didn't like it. Yeah. That's fine. I don't have to talk about it. It's this will be the same thing. If it's great, then awesome. I get more Buffy. Like that would be nice. But like if I don't, or I get something at least in this the vein of yeah. Buffy that is in that universe. But if I don't and it sucks and I don't really like yeah. it, then I still have those. Like Joss can't come to my fucking house and take my DVDs away. I don't know if he so. shits on it enough. But uh, well, that's my thing though. Is Joss was the one that announced this at uh, San Diego Comic Con, and I feels to me a lot like fucking pandering and like him just trying to stay relevant and be like yeah. hey remember all that shit that happened last year how about you don't remember it and remember remember this other thing yeah, i did that, that you yeah. really loved how about we talk about that instead we're gonna make more yeah. of that for you it's so funny too because like people talk about buffy all the time and i'm like who actually like i know like we watched it but like it wasn't that watched you know what i mean like it wasn't that popular a show no well it had a massive cult following and it gained a, even more of a cult following after. It. Yeah, I guess it is retrospectively looked upon with a lot of admiration and nostalgia and 
reverence kind of thing. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's just it's weird because I remember when it was on, I was like, there weren't that many fucking people watching it. You know what I mean? Like, it struggled every year to get renewed, as did Angel. Yeah. Like, all those shows always kind of struggle in the ratings on in their first run. Like, so it's like, wow, it's like, why do we? I don't, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> but the nice thing is, uh, one is that the the Slayer this is this version is going to follow is uh, African American. And two, the actual showrunner. It sounds like Joss is mainly just involved in like an executive producing role. Probably for the best. Yeah. The actual showrunner is a black woman as well. Again, awesome. But at the same time, some of it feels like face saving from him. Like that's just, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) now, now like I can't help but look at it. Like he's just trying to like throw, throw himself a saving pass kind of thing. And I hope that he just like sort of steps away, lets this woman take it over Mm -hmm. and like take it in a new direction, like explore some new themes bring it up to date like give us some you know sort of relevant cultural and racial elements and stuff like that i think i would and i would like if i were them just stay the fuck away from getting any cameos like leave all the old people out of it don't fucking bring anybody in don't bother yeah why bother yeah i agree i i mean i think at least you've got to maybe mention those old characters and cast members and stuff like that and say this is what happened to so-and-so or maybe have a cameo here and there but i don't think that they all need to be involved in any yeah like i don't need to see xander you know what i mean like like that shit I well i don't i don't think you're gonna fucking see no, probably not. that's that's also true in and out of jail and rehab that's true but i mean like i don't like or like but even but even spike or like angel like they should they're way too old to be playing those characters don't bring those guys back like yeah. fine bring sarah michelle back and probably that's about it like if you well definitely not spike like spike or angel because both of them are <laughs> presumably immortal and should not have aged well at that's all. what i mean that's why i'm saying do not bring them back yeah. because like, there's no fucking way those guys should ever play those characters again they're like yeah, now yeah. 25 years way too way past that yeah but, like i i mean if they wanted to bring allison hannigan and sarah michelle geller and i can't remember his name tony head back fine like mm-hmm. if you're gonna bring the core guys back for like a cameo like the people who actually probably need to be there to move the whole like universe's story forward then fine but yeah. don't fucking rely on it. That's kind of what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. All right. With the exception of this other one story that I'm going to save for the end, jump in and start doing fucking lightning round San Diego Comic-Con shit. So sure. all kinds of trailers, all kinds of news, new series, shit's renewed, movies, all kinds of stuff. The first one is sort of related to what we were just talking about. There was an announcement that uh, Disney's next like heroine is going to be an African princess based on a original live action fairy tale called Sade. So I think that sounds pretty good and I'm happy with that. Lightning round. Haven't seen a Disney movie in forever, so <laughs> there we go. Awesome. Okay, the another really big one got the internet all abuzz is they're bringing Star Wars the Clone Wars back to sort of finish off their story. I liked Clone Wars for the most part and like as much as I like Rebels, I don't know that it needs more series. The trailer looked pretty cool, but this is a series that's really going to have to justify its existence for me. Mark, I know you didn't even watch Clone Wars. Though. No, I, I, yeah, I didn't. I never watched it. I'm curious about it, but I, I did more Wikipedia reading than uh, like actively going out and finding episodes. So, yeah. no. All right. Well, here is one that uh, you'll enjoy, and I'm sure you will experience at some point. Do you hear about the uh, new footage from the extended version of Deadpool 2 that they showed at Comic Con? I did. I heard that it was there. I did not actually hear what was in there because now I'm kind of like, I just want to watch it. So, so, so you, know, you, you know how uh, this is spoilers, folks, but, uh, you know, you know, Wade gets the time travel cuff or whatever at the end. Yeah, he goes back yeah. and kills baby Hitler. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> and apparently like Hall H just fucking went insane and we're all of course just, it is. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was great. I can't wait to see that uh, actually on yeah. film. 
big fucking trailers. The two ones that saw a lot of buzz about, whether it was good or bad. Uh, the first one I saw a lot of good buzz about, and I saw it and I liked it uh, quite a bit, was the Aquaman trailer. It looked pretty fucking solid to me. It looked a little bit like, it looked kind of like a mess, but like it looked like it could be a fun mess. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm giving it, uh, I'm giving it, past the one thing that they really got to fix mirror's hair or mirror's hair <laughs> it's Holy super shit, bright that is it is way too bright yeah. like it is very bright but other than that like i mean i don't know i don't know how i feel about bro aquaman like i guess it's better than like what uh, like what most people perceive aquaman to be so yeah. like fine do something different with it i just yeah not just some loser that talks to fish yeah like i just don't i mean I'm more or less indifferent. I will go see it because we'll probably review it on the podcast. At least you and I anyway. Yeah. But holy shit. I don't know, man. It's, it's there. Like <laughs> it's coming, you know, <laughs> visually, I think it looks really good. The the yeah. thing, I mean, one I'm interested cause I like, I like the idea and some of the best Aquaman stories have been like sort of reluctant King kind of stories. Like I don't really want to take on this role, but I have to, this is my yeah. duty or whatever. And the fact that they've got two huge villains in it, it's not just like one hero versus one villain. I mean, they've got basically two heroes because they've got Marina as well, but they've yeah. got both Ocean Master and Black Manta. And I'm interested to see how they play those two villains off each other and how they intertwine those two uh, confrontations and stuff. So, yeah, we will see the other one that I don't fucking I do not know about this Shazam trailer. <laughs> well, I didn't know about the Aquaman trailer. The Shazam trailer, like, I don't know, man. I'm having a little like crisis of faith with your DC boys right now. Like when it comes to the movie side of things, because like I saw both these trailers and I'm like, they're both. I'm like, they they both look dumb. Like they both look <laughs> dumb. Like I don't know. Like maybe they'll be fun. Like I hoping that they'll be fun. Like this is kind of where I'm at. Where I'm just like, just make them entertaining. I yeah. guess. Like I don't know what else to fucking do at this point. But like, man, that I. <laughs> the thing that really got me was like in my head. I'm like they. At one point, they wanted The Rock to play Black Adam in this. Yeah, like I don't like. I wanted him to play like a serious Black Adam. Yeah, not, and it not, feels like he would have been playing like Black Adam, The Rock as Black Adam. Yeah, exactly. I felt like it would have been either The Rock as Black Adam, or they would have been doing like a fucking uh, like sixty six, like Batman sixty six pastiche or something like that. In you know what I mean? Like I was like, but I don't know. I mean, again, like I'm in the bag. I'm gonna go see it. But holy shit, that trailer's. <laughs> interesting it sounds interesting like it looks like they're pulling a lot from a, a pretty good run of the shazam comics i still fucking hate having to call him shazam i still much prefer calling him captain marvel but yeah. you guys lost that war that was your own fault i know you lost it but i yeah i jury's fucking out on that one in other dc news that mark is also not too excited about this one i think we're gonna differ on the we got a first trailer for the titans tv show oh yeah <laughs> Yeah. And it is Riverdale it is, superheroes. <laughs> awesome. It looks pretty grim. It looks pretty dark. I think it looks kind of cool. I think they got the costumes down. Certain of the characterizations seem pretty good. The thing that everybody's all up in arms about is the fact that they've got a pretty dark take on Dick Grayson Nightwing, basically, at this point, or Robin slash Nightwing. I didn't, because I, I, they don't super make it clear in the trailer which Robin it is either, which didn't help. Like, uh, no, I was like, well, maybe it's Jason Todd. But... Grayson's at the start of it. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, and I'm an idiot. Circus and stuff. That's fine. I mean, it, unless they're going to have multiple Robins, which they could do. Yeah, I just took it for like from the from the outfit. I'm like, that's a pretty updated outfit. I wasn't really paying attention. It looked like a Tim Drake. It looked like a Tim Drake yeah. Robin outfit. Yeah. yeah. I then again, um, I wasn't paying super close attention. I was like, all right, I'll watch this. And I was like, yeah. 
this looks like not my thing. So there you go. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool that they're going for an idea of a Robin that's really trying to sort of separate himself from the Batman. I think that's a cool concept and they're it's it's got potential anyways. Yeah, it, I mean, it's true to the character. I just feel like I don't know if I really want to. I, I don't know that I need to sit through Robin being a whiny teenager and not like feeling underappreciated by Batman kind of story again. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm 36. Like, I don't have that particular emotion in me anymore, I guess. So I'm just like, I don't need to listen to some kid whine about like his father figure, you know, yeah. disapproving of him still like on TV. And yeah. I've never been a Teen Titans fan overwhelmingly either so like eh, there you go yeah i i do like a lot of the teen titan stuff so i i i'm holding out hope for that one more dc tv stuff normally i wouldn't have bothered with this except for one element of it there's a trailer for the next season of supergirl the one cool thing that came along with that trailer was an announcement that uh there's going to be a transgender superhero on this show uh, who is uh, Nicole Maines is the uh, actress and she's going to join the fourth season as Nia Nall, one of the Legion of Superheroes dream girl. Yeah, sounds cool. I mean, like Supergirl has been a pretty forward leaning show. So, yeah. yeah, that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about it is that they're not afraid to swing political and swing pretty progressive. Yeah. Which is nice, and like the, its sister shows should be taking note of that because like Arrow also should be doing that, and as opposed to being Arrow, I guess you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean Arrow has the or that Green Arrow character has a, a huge yeah of, uh, of political history. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's what we'll get. Did you finish watching Arrow this season? No, I I, I went to go back. I I'm still I still need to finish Supergirl. I finished the Flash. I got through that. That was <laughs> that was a slog. It was a bit of a slog. It was like, I, it is funny because I like the characters a lot, but like, holy fuck, that season was dumb. Like, story, just dumb. Story was yeah. Yeah. The story was that being bad. said, so I was like, ah, yeah, fine. I still had some good character moments within it, but still the overarching yeah. story was pretty garbage. Yeah. It's really, it's really lean and campy this year. And I'm like, this a little, this is a little more campy than I like kind of thing. Like these shows have always kind of had that element to them, but it's like, like this is getting real fucking close to Dutch tilt, you know what I mean? Like I'm waiting for Frank Gorshin to jump in the frame and shit. Like, <laughs> uh... all right, let's get to your side of the aisle. What did you think of the Iron Fist season two first look? I'm I'm happy with it, man. Like I think I I, I think there's something there. Like I like the fact that they got uh, like Alice Eve is playing uh, Typhoid Mary, which notoriously a Daredevil character. So I'm hoping that means she's gonna get to cross the fucking aisle and go over to that show if they do a fourth season of it. Because I'm not gonna say no to looking at Alice Eve and. That Typhoid Mary character is fucking awesome. I'm happy they're using her in Iron Fist. Hopefully, whoever fucking wrote that 10th episode of Luke Cage is just like in the Iron yeah. Fist office, like was in the Iron Fist office being like, this is how you have to make him so that nobody fucking hates him anymore. And we get a decent season Iron Fist out of this because yeah. fingers crossed that first <laughs> season was. Ooh, it looks boy. like Danny's coming into his own in this trailer for sure. And uh, yeah. yes, and I'm pumped about that. Like I said, from the start, I my hope for Danny Rand was that they give him they start him out kind of as a shit character and they give him a really good arc. And that yeah. seems to be the direction this is headed in. So yeah, man, if he's the Wesley of the Netflix yeah. <laughs> Marvel universe, then fucking all the power too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's a, that's an awesome arc to have. Cause by, I remember like, man, I hated that character when he first showed <laughs> up on up, Buffy like, and I cried. Not Wesley Crusher. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Wesley from Buffy and angel. Yes. Fuck Wesley, Wesley Crusher, Crusher had a good Shut up. Wesley too. is right. By the, by the nah, it was it was whatever i'm talking about like the good the actual good wesley like buffy wesley 
who sucked at the beginning. And by the end, I cried when he died. So there you go. I think it. I think it's going to be really uh, interesting to look back at that first season of Iron Fist once this is all said and done and, and see, like, look at it through that lens and, and see if, if we can appreciate it more from that vantage point. It's definitely going to be interesting if they if they nail like a couple seasons of Iron Fist where they get a good character arc and he becomes like the Danny Rand that everybody like that the comic book fans love and like that that gives that version of the character to everybody to love kind of thing. Then that would be a really cool. I mean, yes, they could say it was all a plan. Like they get to lean on that kind of thing. But at the end, you just be like, you know what? You fucking saved it. So good on you. Awesome. Spinning out of Infinity War. Marvel didn't have too much at Comic-Con because they kind of blew their wad earlier this summer. Yeah, conspicuously absent this year uh, was Marvel. Yeah, so. but uh, they did have a, a grief counseling van for post-Infinity War feels. Which so is it was amazing. Basi- yeah, it's like the, it was hashtag group hug was the hashtag for it. And it was basically Amen. like an emotional support group for people that were like devastated by the snapshot. Hey man, some of us have a podcast, you know, like that, that's my therapy for that shit. Like I'm, I'm still traumatized, but you know, it comes out on home video this week. So I will now probably watch it another four times. Yeah. I love this idea. Like this is one of the things that I've done at Dragon Con a couple times, not necessarily for the Marvel stuff, but they usually have it for Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, I've heard about the Game of Thrones. Ones. Yeah. If there's awesome. been, if there's been a Game of Thrones, they'll have like a support group where you can go and like lament that your favorite character got mercilessly fucking slaughtered as in George R. R. Martin's way. Yeah, which is awesome. Let's see. Going into non-DC or Marvel uh, comic book movies, uh, more meta comic book movies, what did you think about the trailer for Glass? I'm curious about it. I recently, like, and I was going to talk about it in Geek of the Week, but I guess we can talk about it now. I watched the trailer for Glass and was inspired at least to go sit through Unbreakable again. I haven't watched it since, mm. probably since theaters, actually. Like, it's, it's been a long time since I watched that movie. And I finally th- sat through Split, which is a... I was like, it was not the movie I was expecting. It was really good. It's a really good horror movie. I don't know. Have you seen it? No, it's on my list. I need to. And I, yeah. especially after seeing that trailer, I need to. Yeah. I, you, you should definitely check it out. Cause I think it's a movie we should talk about on the show. Cause it looks like it's going to be kind of interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see what he does. Yeah. Like he could totally blow this thing up, but at the same time, he could totally stick the landing and it could be awesome. Cause it looks like right now it could be pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. That's, that's my feeling too. That trailer looked pretty great. And I love, I just love that meta take on superheroes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I love that idea of a world where, you know, we have that history of of, of superheroes and stories, and now they're starting to come out into the real world kind of thing. And there have been yeah. some good comic book stories like that, too. And yeah. so, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking, as of right now, I'm 100% there for Glass. Yeah, yeah, me too. Absolutely. I like even at the end of uh, like I knew what the, the the twist at at the end of Split was, but like even just seeing like Bruce Willis sitting there, as much as Bruce Willis is, you know, Bruce Willis, it's like, that's pretty cool. They got him to show up and he grabbed the slicker and he walked away. And I was like, that's all right. All right. You got me. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. This was one that fortunately we don't have Christy here to talk about, but we also got a new trailer for uh, Fantastic Beasts, the Crimes of Grindelwald, which for me, not even being a Harry Potter fan, looks looks pretty fucking solid, despite the fact that Giant Depp should also be fucking canceled at this point for all that Amber Heard bullshit. Yeah, agreed. But uh, <laughs> did you hear the shit about the two of them at uh, SDCC? Yeah, they put him in the same fucking hall. They were both in Hall H back to back. I was like, wow, yeah. you guys suck. That's some balls. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, I saw the trailer. I, and like, I'm a Harry, like, a Harry Potter fan. Like, I like the original movies and shit. The first Fantastic Beast movie put me to fucking sleep. So <laughs> I do need to sit through it at some point. But fuck my life, man. It's a long movie. And Christy just quit the podcast. Wow. I mean, I, we've talked about this before, though. Like, when it came <laughs> out, I was like, I sat, tried to sit through it and I conked out and. 
Yeah. I was not really enjoying myself at that point, but the trailer looks solid. And if we're going back to Hogwarts, I'm kind of in like, yeah. you know, like I'd like to see the castle again. There's a bunch of, it seems looks to be a bunch of uh, flashback stuff to the castle. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like just getting to go back to that is kind of cool. Yeah. So, all right. One that I am super fucking pumped for is that this was something we talked about not too long ago on our like cancel too soon episode. Invader Zim is coming back. The uh, Nickelodeon series that's been off the air for fucking over 15 years at this point. It, Originally was 2001 and 2002, and the original cast and creators are coming back for at least another like movie. Can uh, yeah, made for TV movie. So I am pumped for more Invaders in that fucking show was great. Is there somewhere I can watch that legitimately, or am I going to have to go to alternative sources to if I want to uh, check it out? Oh, Invaders in streaming. Well, it might be different for you. And it's um, Canada. That's true. I, I'll, I'll I'll go I'll go take a look around. Looks like it's on Hulu. We can't do Hulu oh. up here. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what, man? That Disney merger might help that. You know, they <laughs> might expand that shit out. That'd be kind of nice to have Hulu because I, I do like my TV more than I like my movies. And uh, yeah, a lot of TV on Hulu. Yeah, I'm not seeing anywhere off the top of my head. But then again, I don't tend to yeah. stream a whole lot of stuff. So. I'll figure it out then but yeah, on my own. It was such a fun show. So I'm really excited to get more of that. Do you see the Enterprise Season 2 trailer? Enterprise season two, Discovery season two, trailer? Discovery. Sorry, Discovery season two. It had Enterprise in it. That's why I said that. The Enterprise. It didn't have. Yeah, sorry, it had the and Enterprise Captain in it. Uh, the original Captain Pike, which was, I, I mean, I'm fine. I want to watch it. Obviously, I, there's some timeline shit that I'm curious about. But you know, as a diehard like guy who like I am a, a subscriber on the weirdest fucking subreddit of all time, like like yeah. the, that that Daystrom Institute fucking subreddit that I frequent, like. I'm in there. I'm looking at it, and they're talking about all the same shit that I'm thinking about. And I'm like, "Yep, yep, we've got some issues here in like the hardcore fandom." But I'm like, I kind of still want to watch it. Like, I enjoyed the first season. We haven't really talked about it, but I liked the shit out of the first season. Yeah, and I was all in when the when the that old Constitution class clunker fucking swooped in. I was like, "I'm in, baby!" Like, yeah, the old girl looks good. Let's do this thing. So <laughs> they also reconfirmed that uh, Spock's going to be in this next season, and announced that there's going to be four like minisodes to sort of tide people over. One featuring Tilly, one featuring Harry Mudd, uh, yep. one featuring Saru, and then one that's sort of a mystery. So yeah, I don't. I think they're doing it right. I'm hoping if, if the quality keeps up, I'm still like I enjoyed it. I don't know. I know like a lot of people did not, but yeah, can't please everybody. It's yeah. 2018. It's still it can't be 1993 like Next Generation again. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it just doesn't work that way. So yeah. if this is what Star Trek is, then I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> Did you see the Disenchantment trailer, the Matt Groening Netflix fantasy cartoon? I did not, no. I did. Eh. Yeah. Most of his, like, post-Futurama, nah, whatever, you know. Do anything post-Futurama? I thought he did some other stuff, didn't he? I don't know. Even Futurama is one of those shows that, like, I liked, but, like, it, it's not one of those things that, like, I have this. You go back and watch a lot. Or... Yeah, like, I don't go back and rewatch it a lot, or it's not something where, like, I'm like, oh, man, it'll be really awesome, like, simpsons reruns like i don't have that thought with futurama where i'm just like i just want to watch a random episode of the simpsons like i do every once in a while so yeah like he's he's forever gonna be simpsons guy to me and like yes futurama was great but whatever this is maybe he'll make some money on it but it didn't i'm not for like running out to fucking watch it yeah it look it looks pretty safe to me so far like it looks like he's backsliding to like simpsons level of safe and like sort of commentary rather than that was what the great thing about Futurama was, was that it wasn't afraid to like really fucking lampoon shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like, yeah. Futurama was, 
I think that was more um, Cohen, though. Yeah. Like the, the biting, the incisiveness is more Cohen than it is uh, Macaronic. I yeah. think he's kind of the commentary. Yeah, I think he's more the uh, like, let's just get something on TV and make me some money kind of kind of guy. So, yeah. All right. Coming to the end, uh, we got a, f- a trailer for Jodie Whittaker's first season as the doctor. Did we talk about that last weekend. Did we talked about that last. Weekend? No, no, that uh, there was actually a full trailer at Comic-Con. Oh, OK. Yeah, like, there was like the first look thing. And then there was like a whole trailer for this. OK, I didn't see the full trailer. I saw the first look thing. I haven't seen the full trailer. I mean, I'm still in. I'm I, Doctor Who. I'm going to watch it. I love Doctor Who. So. Yeah, that's me. Me, too. I mean, this could have. This trailer could have been a fucking mess and I'd still watch it. So Yeah, absolutely. Like <laughs> and I sat through like all those fucking Matt Smith seasons when I was just like, I don't like him as the doctor. I don't like his companions. These stories are really weird and I'm not really super enjoying them anymore. Wait, you've announced that Peter Capaldi's coming. Can we just do that now? Like Yeah. Through those last two years of Matt Smith, I was like, I am fucking done. Like just done. But I watched every single oh. episode. So So you're not gonna be excited if I tell you that uh Karen Gillen's gonna be at uh, Dragon Con too? I'd be excited just to see her in person, to be fair. Like she's <laughs> I enjoyed her in She's Awesome as Nebula and she was good in Jumanji. She was excellent in Jumanji, actually. Still have not seen Jumanji. Don't know if I ever will. It's fun. Like um, you probably if you got ripped and like you'd enjoy it. It's a good laugh. You never watched season one of The Gifted, did you? Uh I watched the first three episodes. Okay. And even Amy Acker couldn't get me through the re- like get me into it. Really? I really enjoyed it. I've heard it's good past that point. So I, I like it's sitting in on a it's sitting here waiting for me to watch. And I, I will probably sit through it at some point. It's just as a matter of when. But there was a trailer for that that uh, was released at uh, for season two of that. And uh, normally I wouldn't have bothered just note, uh, note it, but it actually looks really solid. I wonder uh, what they're going to do with those two shows now. Yeah, with Runaways and Legion. Oh, and Legion. Yeah, Legion, Legion. Well, Runaways is Hulu, and that's already MCU, so that's fine. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, Legion and uh, the Gifted. That I'm like, huh? Those are kind of just like dangling out there, not doing much or like doing stuff. But like, yeah. and I've heard they're both good. So that's the weird thing is like they're they're partly better than the movies are right now. I mean, yeah. Deadpool and, and Logan aside, and then there's and then there's the one that's airing right now too. The not not Lock and Key, but it's something something. It's another teenage one. That's uh, Cloak and Dagger. That's not Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger is an MCU thing too, though. That's on that oh, okay. freeform thing. That's I have those episodes. I just haven't watched it yet, or it's on yeah. Amazon or something like that. But yeah, no, that's that's not it. The two shows that are at Fox like are actually set in, or kind of supposed to be set in like the cinematic, like that Fox, whatever you want to call it, the X Men universe. Yeah, and so like that's why I'm like, wait, what happens to those shows now? Because that's I guess do they own Fox TV now? Not the new, not anything that's not Fox News. Yeah. Okay, so they own that network now. So now Sweet D from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is a Disney princess. Okay, how does this work then? Because that means they have two broadcast networks there, right? Because they own ABC as well. Does that fold Fox into ABC? I don't know. I would guess they'll probably operate them separately for now. That's okay. Interesting. I just like that's very interesting to me because they like, yeah, they have FX, which means Lana is also a Disney princess now, I guess. Yeah. Which is awesome. Is Fox TV part of the deal? I mean, those rights revert back to Disney regardless, right? So, like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, they get to, they can swallow their shows up if they want to and be like, well, they can run while they're making money or we can cancel them or do whatever we want, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I feel bad. Amy Acker's going to get stuck on another canceled show. Poor girl. Yeah, I don't know. And then, all right, last trailer. I think you're, you're more into kaiju than I am, aren't you? I mean, like, I like Godzilla shit. So, like, the Godzilla yeah. trailer was cool. Like, I enjoyed the it. God- the Godzilla King of the Monsters trailer? Yeah, it was yeah. fun. 
Like, what do you want from it? It's not like it's going to be great. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not like, I don't need, it doesn't need to be like, I saw, as soon as I saw Millie Bobby Brown in it and who's else is in it? Is it Jessica Chastain or somebody like that? Somebody uh, else is in it. Uh, Roseanne Arquette. Roseanne Arquette. Is it Roseanne Arquette? No, no it's, uh, it's, she's the one that was on Bates Motel that played uh, Norman's mother on Bates Motel. Oh, v- Ver- Verma. Norm- oh, fuck. Oh, Ver- yeah. Vera, Vera Farmiga. Sorry. That's it. Vera Farmiga. Yes. Okay, yeah, so her and Millie Bobby Brown are in it. I'm like, I don't do it. Are we going to have another drama? Like, the, the last movie suffered because Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch, who were playing husband and wife, which was weird, <laughs> like, had their drama thing. And, like, that was the thrust of the movie as opposed to the giant monsters. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm here for the giant monsters. I don't give a fuck about you yeah. two. So then, like, if this movie's going to be more of that, where it's like, we're going to limit screen time, then no, I don't really necessarily need that. But if it's more like Millie Bobby Brown standing in the background as Godzilla just wrecks house, I'm fucking in. Fine. Let's do that. But honestly, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big kaiju guy and this looks pretty fucking fun. So, uh, I mean, it, and this is a sequel to the uh, yep. reboot too, right? So maybe I'll as far as I know. Yeah. So maybe we'll actually have to sit down. I'll probably have to do it on my big TV. And like, this, this seems like a movie that, deserves to be seen on a big fucking screen with uh, yeah. loud, loud audio and everything yeah it is it is fun to like, when it was on netflix i i sat down and like watched it again like cranked it up and i'm like it's like as a theater experience it's pretty cool like the story's not a, a million percent there but like the the 20 minutes of godzilla shit is worth watching so yeah i'm just gonna close out with a couple things that kind of went viral from san diego comic-con one is Lego six thousand piece Hogwarts Castle Lego set. I saw that craziness. Oh, Jesus Christ, I, is that bigger than what the Batcave one or whatever? Or no, that huge Millennium Falcon. Oh, I don't know. It doesn't say anything about being like the biggest Lego model ever, and I think that Millennium Falcon one was. I have no so idea. I don't follow the Lego shit that closely, so like that stuff. Like I see it, like pictures pop up on like io9 or whatever, like Kotaku, and I'm like, that's cool, but like. I mean, fucking get a life. I don't know. Like, that's awesome. I just, I don't even know what to say to it. Cause I'm just like, wow, that's insane to me. 27 minifigures with it. Yeah. This fucking thing yeah. was massive. And then a couple of like the really cool marketing shit that happened. Uh, one was the, uh, the demolition man. Yeah. Taco Bell that they did. I don't know. Maybe, maybe create Taco Bell all week. Cause everybody was talking about it too. Like everybody did like daily podcasts. I was listening to the news and stuff this week. We're all like, yeah, SDCC was awesome. But like the Taco Bell thing was like the coolest shit. And I was like, God damn it. Now I want Taco Bell and I want to watch Demolition Man. So I'm like, there's my Saturday plans, I guess. <laughs> I get super baked, get Taco Bell and fucking watch Demolition Man tomorrow night, I guess. Yeah. And I guess they had the, well, there's everybody was asking, like, did the bathrooms have the three seashells? Oh, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> it did look, uh, it looked like a lot of fun. That's the one, like one of the, uh, there's a lot of shit about Comic-Con that's like, no, I never yeah. want to go to this. Like the lines look insane and it looks just insanely busy and shit like that. But this sort of like really cool marketing shit that they do there is a kind of shit that, but it's also the sort of thing that like you can't possibly get into unless you have like a media pass, which is why we're doing the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the reasons we're doing this there podcast. Is, there is a reason why there's 106 episodes of this show is that hopefully one day <laughs> we'll be able to get some kind of credentials and get in somewhere and like yeah. do something cool, you know, like, I don't know, anything at all yeah. start getting free passes to shit and yeah like even for, like come on not, dragon not con we're gonna sell out dragon but... con guys come on we're coming yeah. so like let's do this thing <laughs> i thought i need to at some point I, i've thought i need to look up like the rules because like dragon con has a couple massive facebook groups i need to look up the rules and see like if we're allowed to promote in it even just like once kind of things so, yeah like, hey we have a podcast i've been going to dragon con for years or whatever 
Yeah. Yeah, because it would be the same thing. Like, next year we could do fucking Toronto if we wanted to. You know what I mean? Like, do Fan Expo and do the same thing. Yeah. Like, just swarm it for all intents and purposes, the three of us. <laughs> Maybe the four of us if Paul fucking shows back up in Canada, you know? Yeah. So. And then there's another one that was kind of fun, which is the Purge City Emporium, which was kind of like from the Purge movies. So, like, you could go there and, like, buy your weapons. And there was, like, a facility where you could go, like, or like a little like cleanup area where you mm-hmm. can go like clean all the blood off that you got on you while you purged and shit like that. That's a that is a movie series that is completely foreign to me, but I'm like now intrigued by because it seems to have gone on for goddamn ever. And there's a TV show coming. Is there a TV show too? Holy yep. shit! Because that yep. last movie did pretty well too, from what I understand. It was okay. I don't know if any of these movies are bad. I haven't seen the first purge yet. I think I've seen the first two of them and I like it as a concept. And I mean, it's like anything, there's some that are better than others, but yeah, but no, as a concept, I think it's got a lot to a lot of good stuff. And like most, or like a lot of good horror has a lot of commentary and stuff like yeah. that. underlying yeah. it as well. So like, is the first one, the Ethan Hawke movie? Y- yes, I think is so. it? okay. I've seen that one. I've for sure seen that one because he was in two horror movies like really close together. He was in The Purge and then like, was it The Babadook he was in? I don't think he was in The Babadook. That was Australian, right? No, he was in another horror movie. I'd have to look it up. Doesn't matter. Either way, he did two horror movies right back to back. And I'm like, man, you were in Gattaca. You should be doing better shit than this. But (laughs) he was also he was in a vampire one that was actually pretty good, too. Oh, yeah. Yes. I don't remember what it was called either um daybreakers that's it yeah you're right 2009 that was pretty fucking solid too so i guess he's just kind of slid into like horror movie like b movie style eh, whatever i mean he still does like he does like stage stuff and like shakespearean stuff too i think that this is just kind of how he pays the bills and puts his kid through kids through ivy league schools or whatever i don't know i just always i always feel like he's somebody who like should have got another shot like what did he like did he fuck something up or something like <laughs> i mean he's just never in a big movie but like he was never yeah. bad i don't remember him ever being bad so yeah. i'm just like why don't we just get like get him in a Marvel movie or some shit? I mean, why not? Everybody's going to be in them eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but that was everything that I had for this week. Oh, we still have one item to discuss. Right. Paul Paul never showed up. Are we talking about the Hardwick thing? Yes. So after all that fucking shit with Chris Hardwick getting pulled off of Talking Dead and being fucking canceled, AMC has decided to uncancel him and put him back on Talking Dead even though it's not really clear what was going on with all those allegations and everything. And yeah, there was a lot of shit, a bunch of st- like a bunch of weird stories surfaced that I'm not sure are of any veracity whatsoever. So I don't know if I really want to comment on them. I don't watch yeah. the talking dead. I have unsubscribed from all nerdist shit. I am pretty much done on that front. So, I mean, if that's what they want to do, fine. I was never going to watch it anyway. I would hope, that like the people who are going to be going on the talking dead, you know, think real fucking hard about making that decision yeah. based on what they've heard. And like, that's up to them, I guess I'm out. I don't really care if I were them. I'd be like, you know what? Maybe we should have just fucking done been left well enough alone. We'd they'd already hired to vet Nicole Brown to fucking take over. So I would yeah. just been like, let's just leave it the way it is. Yeah. And maybe let this whole thing play out as opposed to just throwing him back out there again. Cause yeah. ah, skeevy. And what AMC said was basically, we did a big investigation, we hired a law firm, we did a bunch of interviews, and we're okay with doing this. Which basically means they hired a law firm to make sure their fucking asses were covered. Yep. <laughs> and, and they interviewed a bunch of his friends that said, no, he's not a bad guy. And fucking, of course, that's what they're going to say. And 
because most of them make their careers based on his name. Like, yeah. And just because 90% of the people you interviewed said that, you know, he's not a shitty guy. That doesn't mean that he wasn't a shitty person in private to one person who obviously came out with very fucking detailed claims. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I, at this point, I mean, I'd, I'd keep him canceled, but who knows? I mean, people still buy Chris Brown's music. So like, (laughs) honestly, everybody's fucked and we should all just fucking call it a day and just wait for the end to come at this point, I think. And the other big thing for me on this is that what I was seeing like all over the internet was people saying like, well, if fucking Chloe Dykstra wanted him to, you know, be canceled forever or whatever, then she should have participated in the investigation. I'm like, no, you don't get to fucking go to a, an abuse victim and say, it's your burden to make sure that this person gets their fucking just desserts. Yeah. Like, she can she has the right to participate as little or as much as she wants in all of this. She wants to move on and not fucking drag it out, then that's her prerogative. I agree. To be fair, that kind of commentary comes out of that kind of situation far more than I'm comfortable with. So yeah. I'll just leave that one at that. Yeah. Fucking incels. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, like it's illegal for me to, you know, get jacked and dress up as Batman and beat the shit out of them. But, you know, <laughs> I mean it's a thought. I am a little stoned still, so <laughs> bear with me all right do you have anything else to add to that fucking marathon longest news session we've done in quite a nah. while i mean like fuck chris hardwick i guess like whatever but yeah. it's let's let's get into the rest of this episode since it's already been an hour and all right and paul still hasn't shown up yeah no paul so i think we're doing it i think it's a two-hander tonight Ooh, buddy <laughs> all right well with that let's get on to our kick of the week Ki-ki-ki-ki. Mark. I love just letting you guys just yeah. like fucking hang. <laughs> it's awesome. It's so much fun. All right. This is the section of the show where we discuss the geekiest things that we've done in the past week. Mark, what is your geek of the week? Well, I did sit down and watch the fucking Unbreakable movie and Split, but we talked about that already. So what the geekiest thing I actually did was last weekend, Radiohead was in town and I didn't have a ton of money, but I did manage to scrape together like the 75 bucks I needed to get like a seat way up in the 300s at what is now the Scotiabank Center. I did not realize the ECC had changed names. Yeah, very pretty recently, I think. Yes, it was in in between this Radiohead show being announced and it actually happening. The name change happened, which is why I didn't really realize that it was happening so soon because I kept seeing it. But I was seeing Scotiabank Center. And I'm like, that's not, not me. Like they're playing ACC like it hadn't clicked kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that week, it was like, oh, shit, Radiohead is this week. So I just like, whatever, I scraped together like one ticket way up in the 300s and went in last on last Friday and saw one of the two shows they did in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Holy fucking shit, Radiohead does that live thing, you know, pretty well. Yeah. So well, this wasn't your first time seeing Radiohead live, was it? No, no, no. This is my seventh time, I believe. Fifth or yeah, somewhere like somewhere in that range kind of thing, mm-hmm. like between five and seven, I think. But it's just I don't know. Every time I see them, I'm always like, God, they're. They're fucking pros, man. They know how to do that shit like really well. And the set was really good. Like I shared the set with Tim and it was Yeah, that set list looked fucking phenomenal. It, like just opening with all those songs from Moonshape Pool, which I'm personally a huge fucking fan of that album. So like hearing those songs live finally was like this is fucking sweet. These sound awesome. He's like Tommy York sounded amazing. So yeah, my my summer concert season's been a little like kind of weird and like wobbly, but like Radiohead and backing to back into uh well, I got a Matthew Good show this week and then Next week's my big fucking Pearl Jam stuff, so nice. that's kind of cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I'll be I'll be sure to report in full about uh, yeah, my my Pearl Jam excursion when when I get back. I don't even know how we're gonna do an episode next week. We're gonna have to fucking figure out schedules because <laughs> it's gonna be Mark's leaving on a jet plane for you know a good couple days. Yeah, 
All right. So my geek of the week, I think I've talked about on the podcast before. My wife, Alicia, has been chairing a conference in Atlanta for the uh, Mythopoeic Society, or the society that's about 50 years old that are dedicated to study of the Inklings. So that's primarily J.R.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, and Charles Williams, and a couple other sort of lesser known people. And so, yeah, they're like annual conference. Alicia host, uh, chaired it and hosted it in Atlanta, in downtown Atlanta. It's about like 90 something people. And uh, I was sort of involved with it. I, I wasn't really like academically involved in it. Like I didn't pre- <laughs> present any work or anything at it. Although I feel like coming out of it, I probably could have. But I was the hosp- hospitality chair. I'd be curious what Dr. Tim would have to say about those <laughs> Tolkien books now. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'll get, yeah. The, it's it's interesting like it's not necessarily just Tolkien like it's sort of so the mythopoeic society talks about like sort of mythopoeic literature in general so like mm-hmm. any sort of story that has a significant mythology to it and there's definitely stuff that I am fan of that has a lot of myth- mythological elements to it actually now cool. that you're now you're describing it this way I'm like why are we not why did we not we should have gone to this too like I should have gone out like <laughs> Because this is, sounds like it's right up my... I mean, yes, I'm not like into the fantasy side of stuff, but I mean, obviously, like you, I have a particular inclination yeah. towards stuff that has like <laughs> a lot of fucking back lore to like learn if you want to. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if those token nerds are ready for me fucking describing the operations <laughs> of a sovereign class starship in detail yet, but <laughs> yeah. next year, we're doing yeah. it. <laughs> so my responsibility was primarily as the hospitality chair. So uh, there's a hospitality suite every night of the conference that I was responsible for keeping well stocked in liquor and beer and everything and snacks and everything. But uh, I also just helped Alicia with a lot of the stuff, but I did get to sit on, on some of the sessions too. And there's some really interesting stuff. And I have done like in my undergrad, I took like some media analysis classes, like some film classes, media studies, that kind of thing. And some literary analysis kind of stuff. So, you know, I wasn't like a complete fucking noob to this kind of thing. And yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was really neat and it went off pretty well overall. Alicia did a really good job and got a lot of compliments and a lot of happy people. And the one thing that was really cool I, I think you also might, would have uh, appreciated as well was one of the guests of honor was a, a huge fantasy artist. His name is uh, Donato, Donato Giancola. And, oh, uh, I know him. Yeah. Nice. I don't know him, know him, but like, I know but, his work. Yeah, yeah. 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 So he does all kinds of like covers and for like science fiction books, fantasy books, stuff like yeah. that. He's done covers for editions of Lord of the Rings. He's done all kinds of like huge, like crazy commissions of like yeah. various Tolkien scenes and other like uh, a lot of sci-fi and a lot of fantasy. We should um, like that. you should post a link to his work on the uh, episode this week. Yeah, because it, it, it's it's cool stuff. Like it's it's very yeah, it's cool to see. It's hard Super to describe. But, like extremely talented, talented. I think he did a Conan that I saw a couple years ago. Yeah, that was somebody that else, probably. Yeah, but like, yeah, he's very inspired. Like, he's got that like a little bit of Frazetta to him, but it's like yeah. I don't know, it's something. Else. I don't know, it's it's really cool. It's all like so. oil painted and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, but he so he had a, like a table there where we were selling a bunch of his stuff, and uh, I bought uh, an original sketch for Alicia, and she also bought some prints from him and stuff. And nice. It was uh, yeah. So it it was kind of Alicia's like dream, like or part of her vision for it was like, she's an artist. She wanted to have a, a speaker that was an artist kind of thing and talk about like 
this process and that. So, yeah. So as you can imagine, it was a lot of uh, fun, drunken conversations with nerds. It was a really interesting group of people. Like there were a lot of like Tolkien and Lewis scholars are like pretty religious kind of thing. So, cause so, but there yes, was, yeah, I remember I, I did some stuff like with the CS Lewis stuff in university, yeah. I believe where I got busted reading the screw tape letters. And one of my professors was like, you're going to have to write something about that. Now I was like, <laughs> fucking damn it. I just wanted yeah. to read the goddamn book. And it's a really what, like the average rate or age was probably like in the high fifties. Like there's a lot of these people have been part of the society forever. <sighs> there's like some younger people, we played Cards Against Arda, which is a Silmarillion-themed ad- adaptation of Cards Against Humanity. And the creator of Cards Against Arda was at the conference. She was, uh, <laughs> she made it and like posted it on Tumblr, and it went viral. Basically, yeah, a lot of awesome. fun. And uh, yeah, I, I could definitely see myself potentially presenting something there in the future. So, if you do, you have to let us know so at least like one of us can <laughs> record enough. it. I'll bring down some gear and we'll do it right, and we'll put it out as a bonus yeah. episode or something like that. Uh, yeah, so that was my weekend. It was exhausting, but, uh, but a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Uh, with that, let's move on to our meat of the episode. Four Medicine. color meat? No, we did four color meat already. I'm moving on to, ah, to shit. Metagene mutated meat. Where are you getting mutated meat? Mutants. Oh, are you talking about the X-Men? I didn't look at your no. list again. <laughs> no, but there's enough mutants and stuff like that in comics that I feel like it okay. works. <laughs> All right, fine. Um, so yeah, because as we often do when Christy's not around, I say often. This is like the third or fourth or fourth time we've done it over 106 episodes. Well, to be fair, like that's like once a quarter ish now. Like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. yeah, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. It's like Never a couple mind. times a year, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark and I are are bending off into hardcore comic book nerdery. Yeah, so if you want to tune out, this is your fucking, this is your hard, like, <laughs> stop point, probably, if you're not into this shit, because we're no, going to deep dive. Tune in. Yeah. Exactly. I'll take the rec- I would recommend taking the recommendations, personally, but, you know, like, I understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, we basically want to continue on what we've done previously and just make some recommendations about some awesome comic book stories. For my part, I sort of stuck to primarily limited series or graphic novels. But at some point, that fucking went out the window, and Mark did not. So whatever. I had some stuff that I was like limited, but then I was started rereading some stuff, and I was like, I really want to talk about this particular run. And then it's like, well, this kind of blew up. My my whole point is like, so like I failed at the designation, but like Christy, who when asked to list one thing, and she ends up listing four to six of her favorite things. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying fuck your goddamn rules, Tim. Yeah. Fuck your rules, all right? We're doing this just we're just doing it by the seat of our pants tonight. Fuck your this, rules. This is how we do things around here. Yeah. I'm high. We're doing shit weird. Yeah. But before we get into our, our uh, sort of older recommendations, as we've I think did on the last time we did this, I want to talk about just something that we are reading right now or have read recently that we've really enjoyed in terms of comics or graphic art or whatever. So, Mark, how about you recommend something to our listeners that you're really enjoying at the moment? Well, interestingly, I after Jay was on our episode, our Star Wars episode a couple weeks ago. So Jay Spears from uh, Geeks with Kids was on this the Star Wars episode. What the fuck episode was that? One hundred two or one hundred three? One hundred three, I want to say. He recommended to us, or rec- to me specifically, that I read a, uh, a an arc or a trade paperback of Star Wars books called Vader Down, and I actually did sit down and read it, and it's fucking really good, like really good. 
That's the one where like Vader and Palpatine end up like str- marooned on a planet or something like that, right? I remember Palpatine being marooned on the planet, but uh, what ends up happening is like to prove himself, he kind of hunts Luke down to a planet and he kind of crashes himself into the middle of all these like rebel forces trying to protect Luke. But it's also on a planet where there's a Jedi, a, like a former Jedi temple. So Luke's there investigating some Jedi shit and like there's like interactions with him and Yoda and so Ben and stuff like that. This be like between. Uh, it's between uh, A New Hope and Empire. Oh, between four and five. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, the, the reason why he's after him is because he's the pilot that destroyed the death star. Like they don't really, they know it's his son, but he doesn't necessarily know everything yet kind of thing. So it's kind of in that nebulous spot between four and five, but cool. holy shit, it's a lot of fun. There is some stuff in like the droid, like in the, the, the villains, they kind of add to the story that are a little bit too like mirror universe of our characters. So like there's evil R2 and evil C3PO and an evil Wookiee and stuff like that. And I'm like, this is a little like on the nose, but they have goatees like R two D two. No, but they're all bl- they're all black. You know what I mean, <laughs> with red eyes. It's like I'm like it's a little like directly on the fucking nose. So I'm like that's a little much. But the stuff with Vader is fucking super cool. Uh, the art's amazing. I really wish I I I didn't write down the artist's name. I'll look it up and let you guys know it like while we're talking. But holy shit, it was uh, actually I have it on my iPad still, so I'll just edit. And uh, uh, the pencilers yeah. are Mike Diodato Jr. and Salvador. That's Lerofa. okay. Yeah, that's why it was so good because Mike Diodato does like, and it's because the likenesses are so good. Like he kind of captures like young Han, young Leia, young Luke, and like capturing that particular like the gravity of Vader's like image in comic book form can be a little tricky. Yeah, like the stature and stuff. So it can be tricky if you don't know what you're doing. But Mike Diodato and Salvador Laraca are fucking ancient goddamn like masters of the craft now like they've been around since like the late 80s early 90s so they're both super talented guys that do great work and they do fucking awesome work on this so i totally recommend that it's like the one that i was just reading when we started talking about doing this episode i'm like well i am reading vader down right now so and i'm having a fucking blast with it so i definitely if you're looking for a little star wars that is not you know new star wars and you just want to get a little nostalgia blast but that's still a new story this is a good way to go it was pretty fun yeah that does sound pretty interesting and is one of the one of those new marvel stories that i've heard a lot of good things about yeah all right for my part i'm gonna it's gonna be a dc book but it's not a main continuity dc book i'm gonna <sighs> recommend uh warren ellis's the wild storm oh my god really that's on my list too because I was yeah. in the middle of reading it. I'm always in the middle of reading it. Yeah, it's been really solid and very. It's been really interesting. It's very serialized. It's it's very much not like here's one issue self-contained yeah. and then the it's next kind of thing. Yeah, it's a lot of really cool character work. A lot of really interesting like pacing and stuff like that. It's a pretty refreshing change of pace and a lot more sort of indie compared to my usual fare as well. And I like. It's a nice palate cleanser kind of thing from, uh, you know, from my like normal, like just straight up superhero kind of stuff. Yeah. And John Davis Hunt's art on it's fucking outstanding. Yeah, he's uh, he's a fucking find and a half. Uh, I'm hoping him and Warren get to do some more work together. But uh, Alice likes the book hop. And like, I'm going to talk about one of his books momentarily. And he's also working with an artist on that book. That's just like, why the fuck is this guy not working for Marvel or DC? Like, he's so good. Just hire him already. But. I don't want him to leave the book he's on kind of thing, but holy yeah. shit. Yeah, no, the, the Wildstorm has been like, it's been like, I was familiar with the Wildstorm universe before kind of thing. Like I had like certain books that I had read, like I'd read Gen 13 and I'd read like the authority and stuff like that. And like planetary is technically set in the Wildstorm universe. Yeah. Warren Ellis's book 
planetary, the old Wildstorm universe. But this new take on it, I was like, this is pretty, it's very Warren Ellis. Like, it's a very Warren Ellis take on it. It's very, like, yeah. techno and, like, very, like, espionage kind of thing. And- yeah, lots of transhumanism stuff yeah. and, like, that kind of stuff. Like, very, like, Bio- forward-thinking futurist shit. stuff. Like, yeah, it's very cool stuff that Warren Ellis likes to tackle in his stories a lot and i'm all i'm always there for warren ellis doing that kind of story so yeah yeah i've been enjoying it's cool seeing him do mainstream superhero work again too because he always has this weird kind of like fucking bent perspective on it compared to everybody else and it's cool to see it's kind of like grant morrison but just like way more cynical like way more cynical so where he just comes at it from a weird angle yeah so well there was a while back where they actually had folded all those wildstorm characters into the dc universe proper and that was the first time that i'd read most of those characters and some of that stuff was kind of cool but this i'm much preferring like it's just sort of all self-contained it doesn't it's not weighed down by all that other dc stuff yeah i think it works it's nice right like just being able to kind of like hop in and out not have to worry about like all that fucking heavy continuity (laughs) and knowing where everything fucking sits in the world i still yeah i still love that i i love it too but like every once in a while it's nice to be like you know what i'm gonna read like this like 36 issues of daredevil that really doesn't have any ties to anything and just go have some fun and that's been like walking dead for that uh has been that for me for a while too it's been the one that i'll go to when i'm like a little burnt out on like continuity heavy kind of stuff not that that's like continuity light these days either like we are 150 issues into a very very dense book but there's just the one set of characters yeah it's not like there's 50 intertwined storylines kind of thing yeah absolutely characters you know jumping back and forth and everything but and even the uh really quick the the michael cray sister series not as good as the main one but still has had some really cool stuff in it and there they've been playing on the uh the main continuity dc characters and having like kind of fucking almost like mirror universe versions of those kind of thing okay i didn't pick up any of the michael cray stuff maybe i'll I'll grab it uh at some point there's there's the hellblazer is there yeah there's a yep there's a constant in those there's a uh yeah, there's a, uh, a Wonder Woman one, a Green Arrow one, a Flash yeah. one. He likes, he worked yeah. on Hellblazer at one point. So he likes, he's a big, uh, like Warren Ellis right. is. So like he, whenever he gets a chance to bring out John, he he will bring out Constantine for a little laugh because why not? Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So let's get into our recommendations. So yeah, this basically just comes down to older stories that we are big fans of and think that you should read. So Mark, give, shoot. My first one, and I, I believe we've covered my love of Ed Brubacher's stuff ad nauseum on the podcast. I've talked about <laughs> Gotham Central, his work on Catwoman. He picked up Daredevil after Bendis, and we're going to talk about Daredevil again. God damn it. But not that, not him. <laughs> Big surprise. Big surprise. But he worked on Iron Fist, and but I always kind of ignore mentioning the other guy who shared writing credits on Iron Fist, which was Matt Fraction. Mm. So my I went back not too long ago, and as I started kind of reading comics on a more regular basis in the last like six months again, I went back and reread that Hawkeye run that Matt Fraction did. So I think it's vol- it's volume one of Hawkeye or something like that. I don't know exactly where it is, but you just got to look it up. It's the first one. It's just called Hawkeye. It's uh, basically my, my life is a weapon. Not sh- yes, that's the first one. That's the first trade of Fraction and Dave Ausch's run. It's like it's a very strange kind of almost indie style book in the middle of the Marvel Universe, but it still has all these cool cameos from everybody like he gets involved romantically with somebody who's involved in the gang that he's like, he has bought hit the building that he's living in from and like his work wife, black widow and his ex-wife uh, mockingbird. So Bobby from like agents of shield, Adrian Palecki's character yeah. that are married in the comics or were married in the comics oh. and his current at the time anymore. Anyway, uh, love interest was Jessica drew spider woman. 
So they all show up to find out who this new girl in his life is. But he's also mentoring Kate Bishop, who is the new Hawkeye, who has come up as one of the young Avengers. So they're dealing with like him being a fucking idiot and kind of a flake and all this other stuff while he's trying to train her to be a better Hawkeye than he could be. it's, It's a lot of fun. And it's all like little riffs on the Marvel Universe stuff that happens. He runs into Cap and Cap scolds him for being an idiot and all this other kind of stuff. And it's just kind of like there's an awesome running joke throughout the entire book where every time he runs into somebody and he tells them, they're like, oh, are you an Avenger or aren't you an Avenger? He's like, yeah. And he's like, that's awesome. Iron Fist, go get him. They all think he's fucking Danny Rand for some reason because <laughs> nobody respects the Archer. <laughs> and for some reason, and fractions seems like. Yeah, he seems like the the Aquaman of the Marvel Universe very much. He kind of is, but this run makes him such an endearing character. You're like, this is so cool. Like, it's so much fun to just kind of read him. Just like, he's still doing spy stuff. Like, he's dealing with, like, Madame Mask and, like, Hydra and all this other stuff. And getting involved in black, mar- like, black market deals for S.H.I.E.L.D. secrets with, like, Wilson Fisk and stuff. But it's just, like, it's all played pretty light and fun, but still with enough snark to just kind of entertain you as you're going through all this craziness and stuff. But it's, yeah. it's definitely like, it's, I think he, they did about 22 or 24 issues or something like that. Uh, fraction, primarily just fraction writing it. And then Aja doing most of the art and kind of bouncing in and out a little bit here and there, but it's a fun afternoon. Like you could blaze through the twenties or so issues in like one afternoon and you just be like, Oh, that was a fun fucking read. I had a good time. Like I'm out. Good. The art on it looks really nice too. It reminds me a lot of Tony Harris on Starman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Tony Harris very, before he went like hyper detailed, like Ex Machina kind of style. Like, yeah, yeah, like where it's a lot more like blocky shades, uh, yeah. like big blocks of black and stuff like that. And, well, it's it's got a lot of Ed Ruvacher likes working out with guys like Michael Lark and uh, who's the guy who? Oh, Steve Epting, who did the the Winter Soldier story, like the actual mm-hmm. interiors on the Winter Soldier story. So the big like kind of blocky very Loomis inspired kind of illustration work that I, I like a lot. I don't do that kind of stuff. Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of- yeah. Darwin cook kind of almost like that kind of look in a lot mm-hmm. of spots. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that art is there and it's great. Like for what it does, uh, the guy who's doing daredevil in the run that I'm going to talk about has the same kind of, that kind of classic kind of style too. And it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's nice to see when you actually do get it these days. Like it doesn't come around often but when it does, it's, it's, also pretty refreshing yeah and it's when it's well done it's like man it's it's cool to see illustration work because it's so simple but like you know there's a lot especially like being me and like having done all that training to be an illustrator it was like i know how hard it is to be that simple and still look that good like yeah. so it's like i know that fucking that's it's that's it's a talent of, yeah, man. of imminent too oh imminent oh fuck let's yeah let's not get started on imminent i'll just cry because <laughs> he's retired now and it's i'm sad yeah. and i didn't even bring him up because i'm just still too sad about it so too soon yeah too soon man yeah <laughs> all right my first one is going to be a classic what's now become a classic dc story which is over 20 years old at this point which fucks with fucks me right up hey well, we were just talking before the episode i got a, a, a an invitation to a 20th anniversary like high school graduation thing and i was just like fuck all my life i don't want anything to do with this i am old now <laughs> so i guess this book came out around the time we graduated which is no it came out probably when about when we were starting oh did it really so it's 25 yeah then. Uh, it's no well it Getting came there. out in 96 it's uh kingdom come so written by Mark Wade art and the original story treatment I found it today actually was by uh, Alex Ross. Uh, yeah, they talked about that in the 25th anniversary. Yeah. And so this is sort of an world story that really is one of those like big all encompassing DC universe stories it brings in like all kinds of different characters, a lot of like peripheral characters and stuff like that. But it's sort of set about like 
20 years in the future at that point kind of thing maybe more i don't know they don't really specify exactly and basically it's just things have changed a lot from sort of the status quo there's the generation of heroes that we know and love have sort of all you know you have like this these marvel and dc like main continuities where everybody's just kind of like evergreen like everybody's all right always in their like early 30s or mid 30s or something like that yeah Peter Parker's perennially just out of college, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. But here, they those have all those characters have all aged out. They've all retired or just disappeared or gone off the grid or whatever. And a new generation of powered individuals has taken over. In many cases, like descendants of those original heroes. But this new generation is like hyper violent. They're terrorizing the public and shit like that. And then this ideal like ideologue character called magog comes along and kills the joke well this this is one of the instigating events that sort of caused a lot of the older heroes to retire he kills the joker because the joker had basically committed a mass murder of all the daily planet staff including lois lane yeah what do they say like 80 people and one like 80 men and one woman and it's you you know it's lois kind of thing in that newsroom Yeah. yeah and I don't know why Lois always ends up getting fucking fridged in these like alternate alternate universe kind of stories. You got to send Superman yeah. off the deep end and it's the fucking fast and easy way to yeah. do it. Like it's, it's always the cheap and dirty way to yeah. do it. The net, what if they really wanted to do it weird, kill Batman and see how he reacts yeah. to that. Yeah. That's what, like, that's or the story. Kill I Jimmy see. or like something like that. Yeah. 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 There's just somebody who like not Lois, yeah. you know what I mean? Cause I guess, I guess that t- it takes away his, like he would be able to go to Lois if any of those guys yeah. died. Whereas like him losing Lois is kind of like him being really yeah, cut exactly. off, especially in a continuity where his parents are dead. So that's it. Yeah, exactly. That's his biggest connection to, yeah. uh, to his human side and everything. So, but yeah, so Gog ends up triggering a massive nuclear blast later on and battle with the parasite, it, which basically is what sort of sets things in motion for like the actual story. Yeah. And it basically, this whole thing ends up in a huge conflict between a reformed justice league, which is like Superman, Wonder Woman. I think Green Lantern's on that team. Yeah. A few other. Flashers there. Power Girl's there. Yeah. 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 I just reread and it this uh, week. So I'm pretty fresh. Yeah. Hawkman, I believe, is in there too. The weird mutated yeah. Hawkman. Badass looking Hawkman. Yeah. That's like actually like half, half hot kind of thing. Yeah. Fucking badass looking Hawkman. They should use that one yeah. in main continuity. I mean, it doesn't work super great, like having him be like a normal human, but like, yeah. Fuck, that thing looks terrifying. Yeah. And, and because of fucking Ross's art, like it all looks super real and mm-hmm. stuff like that too. And then Batman has like his outsiders team, which is both both of them have like old and new heroes that they've sort of al- aligned with. Yeah, of course, him and it's it's him and Ollie basically recruiting yeah. his little like liberation front kind of thing because that's yeah. Who else is Batman going to fucking team up with? But Batman Junior and Green Arrow. So yeah, no, the, liber- the liberation front is the Lu- that's the that's the, the Luther Red stuff, right? That's right. The mankind yeah. liberation front. So that's kind of the uh, the behind the scenes manipulative kind of side. Yeah, I was reading it this week, and they they have Damien in there, but he's not called Damien. Like they give him like his demon head kind of yeah, name. There's a son of the son of the Batman kind of thing that's on, Luther's which is kind head. of retroactively Damien, I guess, because it wasn't Damien at the time, but now it's like that's fucking Damien, I guess, right? Like yeah. daughter, yeah, the son of uh, of Taliagul and Batman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah. So essentially, what it comes down to is just a difference in ideologies, like super, like the Justice League is saying, like these new heroes or new powered individuals just out of control. We need to like just round them up and contain them until we can figure out what to do with them. And then Batman's thinking, like, no, they they just need like guidance or whatever. And so a lot of conflict comes from that. But in the meantime, you've got a bunch of like classic DC villains led by Lex Luthor, of course, that are sort of manipulating things from behind the scenes and. The best fucking part of it for me is that Luther ends up having 
at this point still Captain Marvel, like the what is now who's now called Shazam, yeah. under his control. And that fucking showdown between Superman and Captain Marvel is just epic. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those like I remember reading that issue and being like, Well, this is pretty fucking cool. Like I don't really <laughs> Like Captain Marvel's not a character I have a ton of like love for, and Superman's just like I mean that version of Superman in particular is one I'm greatly like I love Alex Ross's Superman. I don't like Alex Ross's a lot of his characters. Yeah. Like I'm a, I'm not a big proponent of Alex Ross doing superhero stuff because I think it looks goofy. His Superman is the one exception where I'm like that's what Superman looks like to me. Like yeah. if it's not Christopher Reeve, it's fucking the Alex Ross like just big looking dude. Yeah, I can hate his Batman. <laughs> i i understand why you hate his batman but when he do, does like the the batman and like the mechanical suit it's better than like yes like yeah batman and like the, yeah the shitty like the shitty like cloth Adam fucking West, cowl West stuff cowl. Oh, yeah. i fucking hate his batman so much like i hate it, <laughs> I hate it so yeah. fucking much but yeah there's this crazy fucking showdown between superman and captain marvel where like captain marvel is calling down his like magical lightning to mm-hmm. attack Superman and Superman ends up just with like fucking like bleeding from his ears and his nose and shit like that. And yes. that to this day is one of my favorite confrontations in like comic book history. Yeah, no, I agree. It's like that, that whole, it's a, it's a great read. And even if you go back, like they did a series at Marvel before that too, called Marvels, like Mark Wade yeah. and uh, rather, maybe that was Kurt Busiek, but it was Alex it Ross. Was, yeah, it painting. wasn't Mark Wade that did that one. Uh, I think it was Kurt Busiek who wrote that one, but it was Alex Ross who did the painting, which is kind of the, it's a similar kind of themed thing where like, well, it's more, it's kind of more of a retro look at it, but it's still Alex Ross painting it. And it's just like, it's the, the main appeal of this story. I mean, the story's great, but like the appeal of it now is just like the painting is just so beautiful mm-hmm. when you're looking at these pages. Like it's crazy. The amount of detail that this guy goes into to paint these pages. I'm just like, yeah, so much work. So much yeah. work. Absolutely. Like, I, so yeah. Work. It, I, I love that comic art. Yeah. It, it's it's some of my favorite comic art on a series ever as well. Like it doesn't I mean, obviously Ross's like fully painted style doesn't necessarily lend itself to like ongoing series, but when he does actually sit down and do like yeah, full issue or like a full mini series, it's almost always just really stand out. And this is a book and it's it's not cheap to get a hold of, but if you can get a hold of an absolute copy of this book and like really get like the blown up versions of the art, it is fucking worth a hundred bucks if you can get like a an MSRP version of it or even yeah the above msrp version of it because it is it's worth being poured over at that size it is gorgeous stuff so yeah and i've seen pages from this book that have gone for like tens of thousands of dollars like the original art when they get auctioned off and there's also to masturbate the storytelling a little bit more the framing narrative and like the audience avatar character is done really well too it's basically this guy who's a a jaded pastor who's sort of observing these proceedings from outside like the specter has come and grabbed him and said okay i need you to guide me to tell me if i should you know interfere how i should interfere with uh with what's going on kind of thing and basically pass judgment on these heroes who's in the right who's in the wrong kind of thing which is a really compelling narrative as well also fun note the model that alex uses to portray that character is actually his own dad so yeah, yeah, I remember which that. is really kind of cool, like little bit where like this is dad is also a pastor or something along those lines. And so he was very inspired by his dad's teachings in his youth and yeah. brought that into the story when he was coming up with it. Yeah, because I just found that I, I just picked up when Tim mentioned we were going to do this. I was like, can we share lists ahead of time so that I can <laughs> at least know what's going on? And I, I had been meaning to reread Kingdom Come for a while. So I went out and picked up the 20th anniversary, like just the floppy paper, trade paperback. 
and had some cool notes in it about like stuff like that where it's like oh yeah i forgot that his dad was like the guy he used the, for photo reference for all yeah. those paintings and i love that like it was jim corrigan in the specter but he'd been so removed yeah. and stuff like that it was pretty cool yeah so. he'd been the specter for so long that he'd lost touch with humanity so he yeah. needed this like vehicle character to basically like help help guide his hand yeah it was very it's a very cool it's a very cool story like it's yeah. definitely one of those like Every time you read it, you get a lot of shit out of it, too, because like especially as you become more versed in comic book lore, like the more you know about DC, the more you're getting out of it. And like then even now, like you get to have those weird little retroactive things like like the Damien thing where like they had that character in there and it was kind of just like, oh, I guess in that continuity they had a kid. But now it's like, holy shit, that actually that is a real effect on actual continuity and could actually happen now where like there is a Damien. He is that asshole. And though that story has had la- has had impacts on other stories going forward too, like eventually mm-hmm. the uh, eventually Gog became a character and sort of uh, who's related to Magog uh, became a character in the main DC continuity and had some mm-hmm. like, crazy epic storylines uh, dealing with Justice Society and the Kingdom Come Superman from that yeah. universe, like came over into the main DC universe for a while as well. And I forgot about that because now they've got old man Logan floating around in the 616, like in the Marvel, yeah. the mainline Marvel universe. And they're just like, yeah. just using that fucking old chestnut, eh? like again and again. Yeah. So, I mean, they had like this old, like grizzled, like I've seen some fucking shit Superman. Superman. Yeah. Which yeah. is a cool version yeah. of Superman to have around. Like yeah. that would be like, I should actually, I remember when I went to go look it up, they're like, oh, there's other stories like afterwards. And I'm like, ah, uh, I just want to read this right now. But I would be curious to go back and read the, um, read, especially like the old Superman in the mainline DC. Because this would be pre fifty two, right? So this is like yeah. this would be the continuity I was the most familiar with, like the post crisis stuff. Yeah, it was it was Jeff Johns' run on. Uh, oh, okay, JFK, I think it was part of that. Um, cool. I'm not sure if he was writing it at that point. It might have been James Robinson writing it, but anyways, Robinson's a decent writer too, though. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if you've never read, it's like a seminal superhero comics work at this point. You definitely should. All right, so let's go back around to Mark. Mark, give us another recommendation. Well, you already recommended Warren Ellis books. So you kind of fuck my you fuck my roll up, but I'm still going to go for it. So Warren Ellis is getting a lot of love tonight. I've spoken, I believe, at some point about Varger, the first of his James Bond stories. His second James Bond series is now out completely, like in trade. So you can go pick up. It is called Aladdin, I think. I don't know. I wrote it down three times. <laughs> it's awesome. It is the James Bond that so like. This is not the James Bond. If you're a movie James Bond person that you're familiar with at all. So like he's not the smooth overly charming like rogue from the flicks like he's not the nice guy kind of like gentleman spy from the movies this bond is only quippy in that he's a giant asshole with a barbed tongue and he's probably saying something really horrifying to you as he's putting a hole in your head because like unlike his movie counterpart and a lot more like the original novel kind of character he's a brutal fucking thug of an assassin in this like there is violence in this book so this is definitely an m-rated book but there's some sequences in here where he brutalizes some people on his way to accomplishing his mission. And it's awesome because it's what you want out of a good spy espionage thing. The stories are way smarter than what you're getting in a bond, like two hour bond movie. Also, like he gets to work his like mystery writing brain, like Warren Ellis in particular, and gets to write these cool espionage plots around the James Bond framework, but not have it be gadgets and nonsense. It mainly just be like spy craft and killing mostly doesn't so. have to be bound by like a two two and a half hour movie or something yeah exactly so like it's more sneaking around and snapping necks and hiding bodies than like you know wandering around in a tux and seducing ladies although he does you know gets laid a couple times because <laughs> still james fucking bond 
But both stories have to do with these giant terrorists or like modern espionage kind of stuff. And it's kind of cool to have this weirdly anachronistic bond, but still works better in this context than like the modern movie bond does. Cause you would need to be kind of a brute force thug to get through some of this stuff quickly the way he does. So I don't know. It's not, it, it's, I don't know. It's not drinks or whatever jokes and like women all the time. It's more like I'm drunk, but I have to kill a whole bunch of people and I'm using the alcohol to soak up the pain of both the mental problems that I'm suffering because of this. And the fact that I probably just fell off a second story balcony after snapping somebody's neck or choking them to death or something horrifying like that. This is the James Bond I want. So if I'm only going to get it in comics, I guess that's where I'm going to get it. But if it's a James Bond that sounds appealing to you, I definitely suggest going to pick up both Barger and uh, Illidan because they're both awesome reads and they're super fucking violent. Are there female named Entendre characters? No, not even really. <laughs> uh, the, there is one character in the most recent one. I think it was Miss Birdwhistle. And she was just like a forensic accountant that also ended up being kind of into BDSM, but they don't actually show anything. They just imply it. Like it's more her way of cutely flirting with James while they're solving this problem as opposed to them actually ever getting together. Really? Yeah. So it's, they're fun. They're cheap. You can go pick them up at the comic shop for like 14 bucks a pop. So get out there and buy them. Like they're, they're, you'll, they're snappy reads too. They read real nice, like real fast. Yeah. But they're like exactly the James Bond stories that I want from James Bond. After like my dad handed me the novels when I was a kid, I'm like, oh, they should do this. Like this should be what the movies are like. While Warren Ellis finally fucking cracked the code, and I get comics that are like that. So yeah. I highly recommend picking these up. There's other uh, ongoing series that are coming out that are not written by Warren Ellis that I'm planning on checking out. I'm sure they're great, also. But the the hook here is that it's James Bond plus Warren Ellis and go to town. So did you read the black box one that was uh, Benjamin Percy? No, it's on my list to read though. Like I have a bunch of them downloaded. So yeah, I just, I, I just hop right into the Warren Ellis stuff. Cause I'm a whore for his stuff. Yeah. I haven't read that, but I just, Percy's been doing a lot of stuff for DC lately. He did some As good, some good stuff on teen Titans and green arrow that I've been pretty like enjoying quite a bit. There was a guy that, cause there's a couple stories that they have ongoing in there. So at the end of the last trade and which one did you say? Uh, uh, Percy Benjamin Percy black box like his story is black box Ben Percy is an immense talent one of the great thriller writers of this decade and I can't wait to see him write the future assignments of 007 Warren Ellis yeah, so okay. he's already handing off the fucking baton to this new guy so I'm in I'll, I'll read it especially I think the artist is staying the same and the artist on it is uh, Jason Masters and colored by Guy Major so it's Jason Masters is the penciler on this on the Warren Ellis stuff I hope it's him going forward into I'm um, Percy stuff because he's great like and he draws him massacring people very, very convincingly. So highly recommended. All right. Come back around to me. I'm going to I'm going to stick on a theme here and go with another DC story that is very generational to the point where it is actually called Generations. One of these days. Yeah. We're going to get you to read something that isn't DC. I know. It's going to be entertaining. <laughs> so you know what happens? This is what happens every time we do these episodes. I like will either get your list or I will just subconsciously know that Tim's going to just lean into his DC-ness. Yeah. So I, ca- I like I kind of counter program against you where I'm like, I go into my Marvel yeah. stuff and I start grabbing at the weird indie <laughs> shit because I'm like, I, there's obviously like I would love to sit here and talk about Dark Knight Returns at some point. 
I've th- I thought about adding, but this one. I know Tim's gonna bring up five fucking yeah. DC books when we pick five <laughs> things. So I'm like, I'll just get a counter program and go Marvel and indie or Image. Especially when we were looking at limited series in particular. Like I've read very few limited series. Like most of the stuff that I've read that was not DC is like ongoing or like like stuff like Walking Dead or like I used to mm-hmm. read a lot of the Dreamwave and IDW Transformer stuff and that kind of thing. Yes, but those are all ongoing. I mean, th- there were like some mini series within it, but. Yeah, so it's just most of the limited series and like graphic novels and stuff that I've read have tended to be DC because that's like 95% of what I've read. I'm just busting your balls, buddy. I know. Busting your balls. So this one is Superman Batman Generations, which is actually three limited series, but I'm lumping them all together. They came out between 1999 and 2004. They're all uh, had both written and drawn by John Byrne. Okay, I missed this. I don't remember this at all. So this was another Elseworlds story. So for anybody that's not familiar with the DC like Elseworlds line, they're basically like imaginary stories. Like they take place outside of the main continuity. So it means that they can sometimes do a lot more. In, they can do some really interesting like character explorations and that kind of thing. They can yeah. these characters in like unfamiliar time periods or... Yeah, it's where you get like stuff like Red Sun yeah. or like... Or Cal or Speeding... Speeding Bullet. Or, yeah. And there's been a ton of like uh, of Batman, uh, Elseworlds stuff, and Greenland. Well, it's e- I think Elseworlds for the most for the longest time was basically just like Batman Elseworlds stories. Like that was all they did yeah, for like ten like, years. Yeah, exactly. So. This is Superman put in a different, or this is Batman put in a different time period or a different part of the world. Yeah, like that. Like Gotham by Gaslight, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, was also an Elseworlds story uh, when it was originally published. Yeah, I think it was one of the very first ones. Actually, it was. It was very early. I remember that much. But Mike Mignola art, though. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, so Generations, the concept of it is basically that Superman and Batman first appear in 1939, like around when their actual first appearances were. But they and the supporting cast all age naturally. So it's not, again, like this evergreen, like the characters are just always the same age, or at least as like naturally as like Kryptonians age. But because of this, you get to see these characters like across the decades. So the first one is in like 1939. The next one's like in 1949. And that goes like by decades. And so you get to see these characters across the decades. You get to see them like experiencing the world, changing around them, getting married, having children, dealing with death and aging and illness and mortality. And ultimately, these stories between the three miniseries end up spanning the course of like over a thousand years. So you're seeing like the children of Batman or like the great grandchildren and shit like that, like taking up the mantle or like doing their own spin on the mantle of Batman or doing something completely different in some case, becoming villains and shit like that. You, so you're seeing like generations of like bat people, super people at one point, the two bloodlines even start like mixing. So you you get like these people that have like both the history of Batman and Superman and their genealogy. There's also other lineages of like the other major DC heroes and stuff like that coming into play as well. And then like generational villains as well. Like you get like just new jokers popping up like every 15 or 20 years or something like that. And so you get to see different takes on that that are sort of influenced by the period that they're popping up in. So you get some really cool, fun period stories it pulls in elements from all across these characters, really long legacies. And as our listeners probably know, that's one of the things that I love about comic books is, is stories and characters that have these long legacies and really rich histories. So yeah, I highly recommend this, especially if you like sort of those longer, like generational kind of stories. And from what I can recall, it's been a while since I've actually gone back and read these. I just have really 
good memories of them, but I remember the first series being really solid. The other two were a little more uneven, but still had some really good content in them. And eventually, like, there are certain characters, like, you also, it's still comic books, so, like, there's still the idea of, like, you could put some character in the Phantom Zone and have them, like, just sit out, like, 50 years and then come back in later on. Or have, like, some character, like, just jump into a Lazarus pit and be reinvigorated. So those original, like, Superman and Batman characters, they sort of pop up, even though, you know, technically they should be dead kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. but a lot of the other characters do, like, die in age. and Or some of them, you think that they're dead for 100 years or something like that, and then they just pop back up. And Really, really interesting series. See, I didn't, I didn't, I'm, I completely missed this. I'm gonna have to look it up because it sounds like at least interesting enough to like check out. And great John Bernhardt and, and a lot of the visuals and stuff too. Like you get when Batman and Superman first show up, like they're sort of old, like 30s original designs. And then like when they're in the 60s, it's sort of the Adam West influence design and stuff like that. And so a lot of like camp and fun in it as well. Yeah. 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 Cool. <laughs> so, very, a big like celebration of those two characters, I think. Yeah. So back over to mark this is kind of my last big one so hold on to your butts i'm talking about daredevil again <laughs> but i know i usually talk about daredevil and i'm always i go into that bendis like super grimy super gritty ultra realistic nasty shit that like frank miller kind of brought to the character in the 80s um which is also stuff i'm a huge fan of but the one i'm talking about right now is actually a more recent run by mark wade it started around 2012 i believe but it's technically volume three the entire volume three so one through 36 and they rebooted it in the middle of the run because of Marvel now. So it's got a number one in the middle of it for volume four, one through 18 are what are inclusive. Oh, Marvel. yeah. Fuck. I, I, when I read that, I'm like, I know I'm going to get shit from Tim for this one. That's a goddamn. <laughs> but like, is it stupid that it's broken up by a number one? Absolutely. Goddamn. Lutely. Is it anywhere near as grim as Frank Miller or Bendis's runs? No, it is not. This is actually like yeah. Mark Wade. Actually, again, we're getting, we're kind of cross pollinating a lot of writers tonight like we both morton warren ellis and now mark wade's popping back up mark wade has a really fucking awesome ability to take superheroes and make them fun again like bring a little bit of that 60s or like silver age kind of light back to a character that has been extremely too gritty for a long time and he does a really great job of it in this run of daredevil where they completely acknowledge all of the kevin smith bendis brubacher frank miller like grim gritty nonsense that has happened over the course of the character's run, but they just kind of wink at it more than anything. He's kind of been outed as daredevil in this, but like now it's kind of back in the closet. He's legally assumed to not have been daredevil at any point, but everybody, whenever they run into him, they're like, aren't you just daredevil? Why don't you just go kick that guy's ass? You're fucking daredevil. And he's like, well, I'm actually not daredevil. That's bullshit. And they're like, legally like no but you're fucking daredevil why don't you just go take care of this he's like well (laughs) i'm not daredevil like it this it's this awesome reoccurring joke and of course it's like (laughs) late like mid in the middle of continuity kind of stream daredevil so he's been involved with half of the marvel universe now everybody knows him just as the the arc picks up he gets uh waylaid by captain america as he's bombing around the city because he right before this run had just been possessed by some evil demon and had been in command of the hand so now he's just kind of back to being regular Matt Murdock. But Cap was like, no, if he's just operating, I need to go take this fucking guy down. So he goes and takes a swing at him kind of thing. And so they get these characters just bopping in now out of for nowhere. For some reason, he ends up on a job with Spider-Man and Black Cat and just goes and starts robbing stuff because that's what they decide they needed to do that night. <laughs> and he also 
it's like it's in it's in it's around the Marvel Now time. So Peter was single at the time and trying to hook up with Felicia, but like right in front of Peter, Captain fucking Swashbuckler Daredevil gets a piece of Felicia right on a rooftop in front of Peter Parker, and he's just like, <laughs> "Come on, like really, really?" Because Matt Murdock's fucking irresistible to everybody. So, but it's like. I don't know. It's super fun. The guy who drew it is named Chris Samney. He bounces in and out. There are some fill-in artists on it, obviously, like most of these runs have. But it's fucking just so much fun. I just started rereading it today before we did start doing the episodes. So I'm only about like the first two trades in. But it came out to a massive critical acclaim. I read all of it. This was the last comic I was buying on a regular like month-to-month basis before I completely fell out a couple years ago. I got brought kind of brought back in because somebody was like, does Mark Wade Daredevil run? is up your alley because you are a Mark Wade fan and a Daredevil fan. So go try it out. And I was like, well, it doesn't sound like it's exactly at my alley because it sounds like it's, you know, uh, fun and happy compared to, <laughs> you know, what I usually intake. But man, I, I just enjoyed the shit out of it when it first came out. And now I'm kind of rereading it. I'm like, yeah, this still feels fresh and fun. And like what Daredevil, I mean, Daredevil's great when he's that urban, like super gritty kind of character, like what we get in the TV show or what you get in the Bendis run. But he's also totally fun just being like bombing around New York and running into Captain America for no reason or like uh, him and Spidey or he's going to sit there and like in his internal monologue, just complain incessantly for an entire issue about how much Spider-Man talks while they're doing stuff because it drives him fucking nuts. And it means half his power set isn't as useful as it normally is because he's got somebody jabbering in his ear the entire time, which makes me realize Daredevil would hate me. So <laughs> it's disappointing, but <laughs> No, it's it's just like a fun read, and it's totally one that like I think you would enjoy, especially because it is like I do like Mark Wade. It sounds very much like what he did on the Flash kind of thing with the Wally West Flash kind of stuff. It is, it, it is very reminiscent of uh, him. And was he with Mike Wieringo when he started that run? Uh, he Mike Wieringo was on a big part chunk yeah. of that run. Yeah. yeah, but like that that Flash run and this Daredevil run have a lot of like similarities, and they just kind of made the character like fun and entertaining and like a must read every month kind of thing for a couple of years while you just decided to sit on the book for, I mean, it's 36 plus 18 issues. I can't do the math in my head, but that sounds like at least four or five years worth of a run on a book, which is, uh, and he did that same kind of thing on flash too. Like he sat there for a good chunk of time, which is like something I like when writers do like, I don't like, I know you're going to switch artists out probably a fair bit, but I like when writers just kind of sit on a book for a while and really get to like dig in and tell really nice long stories and plant seeds at the beginning. They get to get paid off like dozens of issues later. So that's why instead of being able to do just limited series, I'm like, hey, go read 40 something fucking issues of Daredevil because awesome. (laughs) Uh, I wonder if Mark Wade has like an exclusivity deal with. Uh, Marvel right now because he hasn't really done anything for DC in like the last like 10 years pretty much. I think he signed the exclusive when he took over Daredevil. I think that's when he he jumped ship because he yeah. took over Daredevil in like 2011 or 12 or something like that. I think that's when this started and he's been over yeah. at he's been over at uh, Marvel for since then I'm pretty sure mm. so he was a DC for a long time. I could see it's kind of like yeah. it's kind of like the opposite of the Bendis situation where he was a DC for years and years yeah. and years and years and years and years like decades All, like 20 years or something yeah. like that from like the mid 90s until like the like late 2000s and like he's like late 2010 or something and like he's that. he's always been a very consistent good writer so i can see marvel if him being bored and marvel just being like absolutely come on over what do you want you want to do daredevil here's a bunch of money yeah here's a bunch of money you want to do daredevil for five years go fucking nuts nothing else is happening yeah. on that book right now anyway so go crazy 
right now he's writing Avengers yep. and Captain America yep. and Champions. Jesus. Uh, his Captain America pr- right now is getting tons of fucking good press. So I'm I'm yeah. waiting to kind of pick. There's been a couple good Captain America runs. Brubacher went back on the book at one point with, with Steve McNiven. Mm. Like two or three years ago. It was a really good run. So there's always some good Cap stuff going on. But Mark Wade Cap sounds like fun. He did a, a good run of Cap at one point, too, if I'm not mistaken. Kind of in the '90s when he was still freelance. Maybe I'm maybe I'm totally wrong. Who Wade did? Yeah, did he not do a run on Cap already? Yeah, it looks like he did. Oh God, he did Operation Rebirth. Well, Rebirth is at least bringing them back in. That's not uh, that. I think that was bringing them back into the six one six after Heroes okay. Reborn. So I think don't. Yeah, that was that, like that sounds that was like two thousand eleven. Okay. Oh no, Rebirth then was that's way later. Yeah. All right. That whatever. looks like stuff that you did on cap okay fair enough i thought he might have done one in the 90s but maybe i'm thinking of somebody else oh maybe he did oh no he did uh captain america sentinel of liberty okay anyways oh that's right i remember that book yes okay yeah he did do that that was earlier too but yeah it's it's a fun book if you ever decide to come off come out of your dc hole and read some fun marvel stuff it is a book i would recommend highly to you and it's a book i recommend to all of our listeners because it's daredevil and a lot of fun yeah, well, one of my the the one that I have on my list that we probably won't get to because we're starting to run a little long is yeah. uh, is actually uh, co written by Mark Wade. So a little teaser for whenever we get to talk about comics next. It was going to talk about Fifty Two. Oh yeah, nice. That's uh, him, Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, and yeah. Greg Rucka all like yeah. just tag teaming a fucking week. And uh, who did the art? Somebody that was it? Jim DeMatteis and Gifford, uh, something Keith, like that. Keith Giffen did all the layouts. He did it. the breakdowns, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which was a that was that was an interesting project. Uh, also, Renee Montoya question, if I'm not mistaken, that was originally out of there. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that next time. The one I want to talk about uh, this time that I'm going to sort of close out on is a sort of fringe DC book. It's Green Lantern Mosaic. Did you ever read that? I've heard of it. I've never read it. For being a John Stewart fan, it's it's seminal John Stewart. No, I know it, it is, and I like I'm a John Stewart fan, but I'm like a I'm a Fairweather John Stewart fan. Like I'm a I watched him in Justice League, but like I don't see, like when he shows up in a Justice League that I'm reading, I'm like yeah. I'm happier than when any of the other Green Lanterns show up. But Green Lantern is such kind of a non-entity to me overall that I'm like I don't really care which one shows up one way or the yeah. other. But I'm happier if John Stewart shows up. Fair enough. This one was not originally intended as a sort of limited series, but it got canceled kind of early, even though it was apparently doing pretty well. It started in uh, 1992. It was written by Gerard Jones and Cully Hamner did most of the art on it. So yeah, it's a Green Lantern series that is primarily focused on Jon Stewart as like the lead lantern. It ran for like 18 issues. The premise of it is that one of the Guardians of the Universe, who are these little blue elf guys that uh people that created the uh green lantern Corps basically goes crazy and starts kidnapping cities from all these planets across the galaxy and puts them together on a planet which sounds a lot like secret wars it does sound very reminiscent <laughs> of secret wars actually that's interesting but that's, but that's kind of where the the uh the difference uh ends. so he puts the, uh all these cities together on oa which is like the green lantern homeworld in this like crazy like mad scientist social experiment kind of thing and john stewart ends up being the protector and peacekeeper of this mosaic world as they call it but it's really cool because you get like through these stories of all these alien cultures and there's like a town from earth that's thrown in there as well you get like all these really interesting interactions and it plays a lot on like analogies of themes of like race and class inequality 
and cultural differences and stuff like that. The art and the storytelling are very much not like your typical superhero story. It is like a little bit more like indie. The art is kind of stylized. It plays with perception. It fucks with some tropes. One of the things I really enjoy about it is that it uses a lot of unusual alien species. Like they're not just all anthropomorphic, like two legs, two arms kind of thing. Or like, like there's some really, yeah, yeah, some like really abstract kind of alien concepts and like life and sentience like there's a living forest and stuff like that and yeah well like, it's it's that's the, the the beauty of comic books it's the, it's very similar to like rick and morty or futurama where like if you you just if you write something yeah. the artist just has to draw it so it's yeah. just as easy to draw homer simpson sitting on his couch as it is to draw homer simpson in space and yeah. that applies to comics just as nicely so it's just it, yes it is easier for an artist to draw a human because that's what we train to do for most of our careers but it is also really fun to be like, hey, draw a fucking weird blob of tentacles. Like, yeah. all right, I'm going to town on that. <laughs> Sounds like fun, too. Oh, tentacle porn. Got yep. that reference in. <laughs> yep. But that's just a pet peeve of mine is like TV shows or movies where like every alien species that you encounter is like roughly the same size and shape as a human. And obviously, I know why they do it, but I love it when they don't. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I completely agree with you. I'm, I'm yeah. exactly the same way. As soon as you see something else, like even like on Star Trek, when they do like and this I'll give voyager props like when they did species 8472 like that bio species or whatever i was like oh that's it's different cool give me more of that i know it's super expensive to do but give me more of that because i like that yeah when comics can do it i'm like i'm fucking in so it doesn't cost any more to to draw a crazy fucking high concept alien species than it does just to draw another alien species that's about the same size and shape as a human the only thing it's costing is the artist's fucking sleep insanity probably (laughs) he's got to come up with all this wacky shit that's the one thing is like there is somebody out there who's drawn this shit and has to come up with it after the artist. When the writers like draw crazy alien shit, the the, the artist, and I know from experience, the artist has got to be like, well, fuck, here we go. What is this mother? What does this fucking thing look like from this angle and this yeah, angle? Now I got to figure all this shit out and then I got to <laughs> draw it 14 times and then I got to throw it out and do the next one. So, yeah. yay. But yeah, comic books, man. Good times. Yeah. It's another series I haven't read in years, but I just have really good, really good, good memories of it. Yeah. Really, really it made a big impact on me as a story. So nice. yeah, absolutely. If that is the kind of thing, you know, if you like superhero stories that have a little bit more of sort of an indie bent to them, a little more high concept bent to them, to it, then uh, I definitely recommend Green Lantern Mosaic. I'm going to go see if I can pick up a copy. That sounds like it'd be up my alley. Yeah. Up my especially, alley. Especially being a John Stewart fan. Well, I'm a John Stewart fan and I like, like, I like weird takes on superhero comics, obviously. Like I'm a, like, hence being a big Warren Ellis fan where whenever he shows up into a mainstream continuity and just like, throws a big fucking wrench into the into the works because he likes to do things his own way i like when people hawkeye and daredevil are both kind of that idea hawkeye especially is a very like indie take on a marvel comic book it's pretty cool so yeah i like that kind of off kilter take on that stuff yeah yeah exactly and that's that's it's just something new something different kind of thing yeah it's It's one of those palate cleansing kind of things and I like it every once in a while. Sometimes like those concepts start to get like overdone and everybody's just like, Oh, I'm going to do something edgy and different. And, but, yeah. and sometimes it's not done well, but in that case, I thought it was done really well. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we're getting a little bit long in the tooth. So you think we should close out? Yeah, let's wrap it up. All right. So two things. One, before we close out really quickly, how we each mentioned something in terms of comics that we are both uh, anticipating right now. I'm trying to think of this. I like, I mean, we talked about it on last week's episode, but I mean, Ryan Otley just started on amazing Spider-Man and that run is, is starting in earnest now. So that is something I'm very fucking hyped about. I'll just repeat that, I guess, basically because 
it's really cool to actually be excited for a Spider-Man book for the first time and active fucking memory or like since at least ultimate spider-man finished so Mm -hmm. this is kind of nice for me and it's an artist that i love and i i really enjoyed the first i reread the first issue this week i enjoyed it so much so that's pretty cool uh and i'm also like i'm just waiting for fucking batman 51 with beta breath now i just want to know what's going on in that story yeah like well batman 51 is out it's 51 out oh shit i'll have to go yeah Comicsology tonight and grab it. I think, let me see. I'm pretty sure Batman 51. I was yep. like, has yep. it been a month? Has it been a month already? Yeah, it uh starts a Mr. Free storyline, I think. Oh, nice. Yeah, that'd be cool to see Tom King do a Mr. Free storyline. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, so for me, just at San Diego Comic Con, there is there was a Grant Morrison written Green Lantern series announced. Uh, it's gonna oh, focus- shit, really? Yeah. That could uh, with, get fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, with Liam Sharp uh, doing the art. Nice. And it looks like it's going to be sort of bringing the scope back down to like just because there's been a lot of like big cosmic stuff in Green Lantern lately, which mm. has been cool. But I like I've been missing sort of Green Lantern on Earth kind of thing, because I mean, right now there's Simon Bazin and Jessica. I can't remember her last name, but there's Jessica Cruz. That have been sort of the Green Lanterns of Earth, but I'd really like to see Hal back on Earth with some of those like classic villains and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's kind of what this is going to get down to is Grant Morse is going to bring Hal Jordan back on Earth. So I can only see like it, he'll do that classic kind of stuff for like two issues, and then he'll be like, "Well, I took some acid. Let's get nuts." <laughs> so or aliens talk to me again because I'm doing Green Lantern. Let's yeah. fucking do this thing. So <laughs> I love Grant Morrison to death, but sometimes his stories are just like, yeah, what the fuck's going on yeah. here? So I don't really know what to expect from that, but uh, Grant Morrison's books are always a fucking trip, even if you don't enjoy them. One of these days, like I would love to do an episode about Invisibles. It's a book I keep wanting to bring up, but it, like I need to reread it. It's been years since I read it, and it's so fucking weird. Like it's so <laughs> fucking weird. Like esoteric magic via superheroes. It's a fucking weird, weird read. But yeah, if you can stomach it, it's so much. It's so interesting to get through. But Grant Morrison, whew. <laughs> yeah, that's a he's a character. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and last but not least, and just because I have something in particular that I want to talk about, let's do our, our geek creds for the week. What's something right now you're going to... We just spent a whole fucking episode recommending comics to our readers, but do you have something that's not a comic book that you want to recommend to folks that you're enjoying right now? Uh, what am I doing right now? I just watched... I've been catching up on TV. So what I did before I caught up to The Flash and all that other bullshit we talked about (laughs) earlier was I caught up uh, to Silicon Valley, but I also caught up and watched the second season of The Good Place, Mm. which is fucking hysterical. And you need to get on that show as soon as possible. Uh, I watched the first season. I haven't watched the second. Uh, The second season is just as good. It is fucking funny. I love that show. So, yeah, Kristen Bell, obviously amazing. But Ted Danson, Secret Weapon and... The the other woman that's on it, Jamila the, uh, Jamil, the Indian woman, the tall the tall Indian woman, yeah, like the gorgeous tall yeah. like goddess Indian woman. Holy shit, is she ever fucking funny when she gets going? <laughs> like, wow. So yeah, the good place I think is something uh, everybody should check out. It's really fucking funny, especially given the twist at the end of the last episode uh, of the first season. Yeah, of the first yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah, I'm definitely hooked for next season. Oh man, that first season was just like what a fucking ride that was. Yeah. I had so much fun with that first year. Oh shit! I'll have to check so and good. see if the second season's up on Netflix yet. It's not on Netflix yet, but it is available elsewhere. All right, fair enough. My geek cred this week is a little a little sad. So my comic book store that I've been going to for almost ten years in Atlanta, Tea House Comics up in Sandy Springs, just had to close their doors and announce bankruptcy. 
this past week because they just couldn't make ends meet anymore. And it's it's a story that's happening far too often these days just because the industry is going more digital. And unfortunately, that is just leaving out the brick and mortar stores and the people that got us our comic books before digital kind of thing for a long time and that have put in some cases, you know, big chunks of their lives into this industry and are now unfortunately being left behind. And I don't know what the way is to fix that kind of thing, but guilty is charged yeah. considering I'm one of those people. Yeah, I do feel now. Now I feel guilty, but, <laughs> but so my, my geek cred is I'm going to recommend that uh, you go out and visit and support your local comic book store. Even if it's just going out and like find some trades or something like that, or finding something to, give your kids to get hooked on kind of thing. Yeah, you don't want to give them a tablet kind of thing. Then yeah. yeah. Even I did it this week. I went and got that, uh, that kingdom come trade. And I also picked up the, the two Warren Ellis books, like actual copies, like hardcover copies of them. So yeah, go out there and like, I do still like having some books around, but not as many as Tim obviously does. Yeah. So it's one of those balances off. It's, 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 a, it's a rough trade off. Cause I love having the actual books, but at the same time, I'm like, I can fit like, three bookcases on my iPad and just carry that around with me while I'm sitting in waiting rooms. So, yeah, you know, and I understand it. I just, I wish that there was a way that the industry could like incorporate those people. Like I know at one point when you redeemed digital codes, you could like tell them where you bought that original issue yeah. kind of thing. And yeah. then the person that, or, you know, the retailer that you bought it from would get a cut of that sale yeah, uh, or that redemption or whatever. But yeah, anymore it just seems like the, you know, big, publishers and distributors have just fucked over brick and mortar comic stores and yeah i'm curious now i'm gonna have to go back home i haven't been to the comic book store i used to like when i was collecting collecting back in st Catharines. i haven't been to that store in ages i haven't even driven past it in a long time i should go check out and see if it's still there because man, that'd be sad if it had closed and i just didn't even hear about it yeah it's entirely possible too but it it would suck so I spent a lot of money in that fucking place. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was in there this this store every week, spending usually like forty, fifty bucks kind of thing. But yeah. they can't live just on my business. So, yeah, is there another store in your area? Like, you're actually an active like reader. Like, are you going to go switch your fucking pull list over to someplace else now? Yeah, or? I'm going to have to. The thing is, like, it's when we moved down to where we are now a couple of years ago, we actually moved about ten minutes further away from that store. So. I was having to drive like about 25 minutes or something like that to get to that shop. And that's without traffic. So what I was doing, hope my employer doesn't hear this is uh, sort of arranging my, my sales for the day such that I would usually like it wouldn't, it was sort of at least on my way home to uh, stop by the comics store on Wednesdays. Not always, but a lot of the time I did that. But yeah, so this, some ways, I mean, yeah, I'm really sad that they closed. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise. It means I can look at a comic shop that's closer to where I am now kind of thing. There's actually a, a, yeah. a record store that sells new comics and has like a limited selection of old comics called Criminal Records. That's like only about 10 minutes away from where I am now. I'm going to go check yeah. and like see how they handle pull lists and like what kind of discounts they give you if you're getting a bunch of books a month kind of thing. And so, man, because like that's a. I would imagine if somebody who is into having people like you around would be very happy to have you suddenly walk through their <laughs> fucking door at like 50 bucks a week or yeah. whatever you fucking buy. Yeah. And also, it, but it's going to be hot. Damn. It's going to be really dangerous if I end up going to a fucking record store for my comics every week, though. That's the other thing, right? Like you got that vinyl just sitting there looking yeah, all like, pretty. Yeah. Because that shit, I have a hard time saying no to that shit when I see it. I can tell you that much. Yeah, so. so. Going into you're already in there in mind to spend money on comics and shit, and then it's like, wow, records too. Yeah, I got extra. Yeah, fuck that paycheck, yeah. right? Right <laughs> exactly. in the mouth. So, 
All right. With that, we will end out this 106th episode of Dance Robot Dance. Thank you for listening to everybody. And give us some feedback. If we recommended something that you really like and you want to gush about it with us, then go right ahead. Or if you've ever like picked up any books that we've recommended and you've really enjoyed them, let us know. That would be awesome. I was say if you have any recommendations for us, too, it would be kind of it's, it's always nice to get new stuff to read, especially since. I mean, Tim obviously needs to branch out a little bit, but I'm obviously open to reading all kinds of weird and wacky shit. So send it over and I'll endeavor to take a look at it and let you know what I think uh, and somehow. You can, you can reach out to us on Facebook where we're pri- probably most active, which is uh, facebook.com slash dance about dance podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at DRD underscore podcast. You can email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. If you are not already subscribed to our podcast, you can do so at Stitcher or the Google Play Store or Apple Podcasts or most places podcasts may be found. With that, we will bid you adieu. Say goodnight, Mark. Have a good night, guys. Uh, Go read some fucking comics. Indeed. Go read some comics or graphic novels or whatever you like to call them, and we will see. Just go read. I think people just need to go read. Go read something. Go read something. (laughs) Stop listening to us fucking idiots and go go read something. Yeah, put a record on. Fucking go read something. Do that. All right. There you go. Good night, everybody.